0: G'day, guys. How are we all? Welcome to Warring With Words. A little special treat. Uh, if you're watching this live, this is the day, or this is when we would be kind of doing CanCon, the world's largest age sigma event. And while I've been a little bit sad that I wouldn't be playing in this massive tournament, I am very excited to talk to a personal hero of mine, uh, an absolute legend, and I know he is not very good when it comes to being... Uh, promoted. I know he's feeling a little bit uncomfortable right now. I have done my research. I have read over 500 comments on Reddit with AMAs. I have watched his vo- uh, Voxcast. I have read the Goonhammer article. I have been doing all my fine research to talk about Warring Words with Aaron Demsky Bowden. He is the Night Lord, he is known as ADB. He has published many Black Library books. Look at him, he's so uncomfortable right now. (laughs) He's written so many Black Library books. I was introduced to ADB through the Night Lords series. One of my very closest and dearest friends, Deke, is a massive Night Lords fan. So he's absolutely introduced me. He said, like, ADB, like, I I could not find a bad word about you. Uh, But also, for people who don't know, ADB has written Age of Sigmar Law uh he's written written the uh, the uh well at least contributed to the slaves the darkness battle tome uh and i know you are a long-term warhammer player so um g'day welcome hello
1: can i just say that i found it immensely charming that you've said good day like three times now and i was totally expecting you not to do it and- <laughs> I'm going, to live up. I'm going to live up to the character, right?
0: Like throwing out the shrimp on the barbie. Uh, it is, you know, Australia CanCon. we got kangaroos coming in Age of Sigma. Uh, It is a good time to be an Australian. But um, where is the beanie, i have been asked. So uh, lots of cool people in the chat. They are very excited about this. They're wondering where the beanie is. Uh, I did find a pretty cool, look, to be honest with you, I thought uh, in the spirit of Australia, I thought in the spirit of this interview, you might wear this hat i thought you'd at least kind of bring up this pretty cool aussie hat uh yeah, come out yeah, to the Clint farm with you yeah it was uh was it... yeah what was the story well. with this
1: hat well I-, I wanted to try it on because i'm like i look good in hats and then uh, one of the editors now has photographic evidence that i, I don't look good in all hats at all like, <laughs> it was quite disappointing but
0: it is what it is so, g'day. Everyone is is super pumped. I'm getting a lot of cool people, you know, saying, you know, you're, Chris is saying you're a personal hero. Hello. Uh, first time hearing your voice. So, uh, if you wanted to hear his voice as well, did a pretty awesome interview with Wade uh, on the Voxcast about 12 months ago. And I think you also did a video on the Siege of Terror. So, um Glad that you joined me and we are talking war on words or warring on words. So this is not going to be a specific conversation to any particular book, but I reached out to ADB because I am, well, there's a couple of reasons. First off, one, obviously, other than being an amazing human and very interesting person, I'm you know, a big fan on on the books as well as on Twitter and, and just seeing what he contributes onto on the community But two, uh, I remember seeing a whole bunch of things, you know, Black Library put out uh, a call for authors, whether it's in horror, whether it is for um, new authors to join their committee. Um, And I know talking to my Discord, there is a lot of aspiring writers, people who are either wanting to turn writing into a career, whether it's with Black Library or not with Black Library. I know the world has changed a lot. You know, you can be a published author. There are more gaming Uh, companies than ever before there's kickstarters there's patreon there's so many things to become a professional author but at the same time i'm also seeing a lot of people getting more invested in the law more people writing fan fiction more people writing up characters and uh really wanting to tell their story other than just what the dice roll on the table and i i i I wanted to kind of explore this topic and i wanted someone who really walked that path because i know adb you write down in your book you write down wins and losses i know you are uh, obviously do amazing work when it comes to character development i thought we could explore this topic uh if that sounds good with you if not this is a really awkward couple of hours we're just going to sit here and <laughs> disagree with the, the topic
1: oh i'm i'm at your i'm at your service hit me with whatever
0: so i'm going to ask a couple of rapid fire questions just to get like for anyone who hasn't heard you speak in an interview they haven't read any of the articles um i might give a bit of an introduction for pete maybe anyone who who doesn't know who you are um, should that should there be one person in the world so you got into warhammer through warhammer quest you got through warhammer through uh friends um i know you're a long-term fantasy player uh i know that you are uh i love your necromunda but you don't like my gang I'm a Van Saar man. And I was a bit concerned when I read that you were a really core door player, but you didn't like Van Saar. And I liked Van Saar because it reminded me of uh, a wrestler back in the day called Steve Blackman. Um, So that was how I got into Van Saar back in the 90s.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, you came to them honestly, which is at least that's a plus. But, like, in every group, it's not so bad in the new edition. But do you remember, like, way back in the mists of time with the original Necromunda? Everyone who played Vansar was just they, they they won, and they had to do the least to achieve that victory. They could stand and shoot every match, because—and they just did it perfectly. All their skill ups were useful, and anyway, the guy who was that in my group was called Mark, and he was just—I I never beat him—not just because I sucked. I do—I do suck at Nacromunda. but also just because he was just—he was Vansar. He was never anything but Vansar. So That's- bitter memories of that guy. <laughs> oh no, I don't want to be that guy. I just,
0: I just watched a, a, a little video, a 40k video about being that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I like being Vancar. I like Steve Blackman. But, uh, but w- one thing we do share in common is a love for Gorkamorka. And thank you so much on Warhammer community calling out Wade, saying that you wanted Gorkamorka back. That is <laughs> probably the greatest Warhammer game they ever produced from Specialist. Um, Certainly on par with Mordheim, Um, mm. I loved Gorkamorka. That was just like some of the greatest fun I ever had as a kid.
1: I was terrible at that too, but God, I loved that game so much. So many <laughs> long Sundays spent hiding from the sunshine, <laughs> trapped inside playing Gorkamorka. Uh, and I'll never forget the, this one particular game I had with a friend where
0: it was like you're you're racing. So the map just continued to move, and uh, oh. if your cars kind of bumped into each other uh you could like knock people off and they would fall and essentially fall off the map i just, um anyone who, who who doesn't know what gork walker is it was a game basically it's it was what speed freaks has been Gaw- speed freaks is kind of replacing gork walker but maybe like the 10 percent of what it was mm, um yeah
1: yeah
0: now it's it's not the same level but some rapid fire questions to get to know adb before we start and None of these questions ADB knows are coming. So, uh, what's your favourite song? Oh, laid by James. Favourite food or dish?
1: Um, chicken korma, very mild, because I am a wuss. Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. It's hard. To, yeah, it's it, it's once you get a good Indian dish. Um,
1: yeah, I mild, like spicy though. food, but not spicy Indian food. I have no idea why.
0: It's always like when, when I go to like a Thai restaurant and, they, and I ask them, they're like, oh, do you like hot? And I'm like, is it white person hot or is it Asian hot? And I'm not being racist. It's just the tolerance level. It's like what they think is hot is just explosive to me. Uh, what's your favourite movie?
1: Oh, that changes every every week. Um, it's, it, it's probably Ravenous, which is a very little-known uh, horror movie set just after the American Civil War. Uh, sorry the... Uh, American War with Mexico, but it changes every every week because something new will come along and they go, oh, that. It, it, yeah, it always goes back to ravenous. Fair enough. I, w- I
0: would have said Night at the Roxbury, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same idiot that watches Borat like, at least once every six months, uh, which people who watch this channel would know that I, I do bust out my venas, or I try to bring out my Borat uh, every so often. And for anyone who hasn't had an interview or hasn't seen your interviews or haven't actually caught anything. Um, I will high level ask you the question how did you first
1: get into the hobby and how did you first get into writing? The hobby was um, I, I always give this like totally generic answer, but that's because it's true. Like everyone who is roughly 40 in England who's into the hobby got in it through Space Crusade and Hero Quest. Um, which were like the kind of licensed Milton Bradley slash games workshop games. And I was exactly the, I was exactly the same. Exactly
0: the same. It was a yeah. it was a, a rainy night at a friend's house. They busted out uh Warhammer quest or maybe Heroes Quest, uh yeah. fighting against that amazing bloodthirsty gargoyle.
1: <laughs> gargoyle.
0: Yeah, like yeah. it's just like, but hey man, yeah. that, that's where the Chaos Warrior was born, which made the Space yep. Marine, which made the Stormcast Eternal, that humble little Chaos Warrior. Good times. I love that. Like I always played, who, who did you play as? I was always the barbarian. I was the dwarf. Yeah. I, not, there's That's no choice. If there's a dwarf, I'm going to be the dwarf. I always wanted the barbarian because I think I got three dice, three attack he, dice instead of two. He did have one. three attack
1: dice. He was a beast. Yeah. But
0: like, that, that's, that's still how I play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm just like, yeah, give me the barbarian. Let me max out my strength. I'll be the Goliath. I'm just going to run in and I just want to swing stuff. Uh, other people can do the, the role playing stuff. Let me just get into combat. Oh, for shame! <laughs> and and from a writing perspective, I know you started writing, um, and you you first started writing when you were uh, writing for some friends, and then you got your your I guess your your first break, um, writing in RPGs. And I know you did a little bit of work yeah. with Vampire: The Masquerade, um, and you did some video game work.
1: Uh, yeah, I bounced around between. RPGs and like a little bit of video games for a while that was like in my as soon as I left uni I did a writing degree and then I went kind of straight into the RPG industry which is really lucky because that's quite a small industry and finding full-time employment in that is like as, as rare as hen's teeth as my daddy would say and uh um I was it's not I wasn't like a millionaire I took it me wrong but I was like just I could just afford to make that my only job <laughs> which uh which I did that for a few years. That was that was great. But obviously I always wanted to be a novelist and I got um the Black Library man, man, blah, 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 managing editors uh email off Mike Lee, who I'd worked with on RPGs before. Um and he said, Yeah, yeah, I just email away and see if they need anything. And back then you had to do like an Imperial Guard novel to prove that you could, I don't know, spell. Uh, so I, I, I did Cadian Blood and then that came back and they loved that. So that was when I was like, can I write about Space Marines please? And that was, and from there it's, it's, all, it's all history. And it's interesting because that was
0: when you set the trend of, of submitting books late. Um, and, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to call you out. You said that you've always wanted to be a writer and maybe you've maybe you've 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 changed your tune but i know at one point in time you wanted
1: to be a paramedic so yeah i'm too dumb so (laughs) it's just not not really on the cards i don't know know, a bit rough (laughs) it's people's (laughs) lives man you can't you can't half ask that
0: that's true that is very true uh i always wanted to be a lawyer i always thought that i'd be good uh getting up on you know in front of uh, objection your honor and you know m- very much like the american uh television shows i thought i'd be really really good you know and i've got a history in like working with sales and sales and marketing teams uh and, it, and then i realized in australia it has nothing to do like the americans that it's always like just according to chapter seven of the blah blah versus blah case and i'm like oh, okay that's not for me uh so it's funny oh, how a sad story. I know I know I'm like man I'd be awesome up on stage like you know it's a massive compelling sales story uh, Speaking of stories Though I know that you Smooth. Said in t- 2013 That you wanted to write a love story Did you ever get a chance to write that love story <laughs>
1: No <laughs> um, Actually okay it's, it's entirely my fault It's not that they won't let me uh, in fact, at one point, this would have been twenty seventeen. I think it would have been or twenty eighteen. Um, what was I writing? I was writing Master of Mankind, and I got an email from uh, this is the, the the new managing editor, and it was. I, th- I think oh, we'll get into the concept of eras at Black Library later on, probably, but like there had just been another big era change, and they said, "Hey, remember that." Uh, dark Eldar love story. You wanted to do, you could totally do that right now if you want it. And I was like up to my throat in the Master of Mankind, um, and I knew after that I think I had like Black Legion coming next. I was like, this just I can't even think about anything else right now. I was I was just up to my up to my eyeballs in the settings, guts, and the metaphysics, and I was like, I'll, I'll deal with this later. But I, later hasn't really come because no, I don't know. I just I kind of worry that no one would. Give a shit, and everyone would laugh at me for doing it or something. But I think it'd be great. Like a Dark Eldar love story. I think that would be boss. It's
0: been a long time since I've seen a good quality love story. I think, uh, obviously, in Warhammer Fantasy, we had Vlad and Isabella. And to me, that was kind of like the last good love story that we've kind of seen. And people are still talking about Isabella and Vlad to this day. I know when Nighthawk were coming out and we heard like the voices of, of what we now know as um, Alinda. People thought it might be um, Isabella or the ghost of Isabella, or you know, uh, a, a waning Isabella coming back looking for Vlad. And I know that was a big speculation. So clearly, the love stories still have their place. Um, we're just waiting for that that story.
1: Mm. <laughs> I, I'm just. I was just looking up because like, on my, I've got it posted up there with my schedule, and I was like, no. <laughs>
0: Uh, i'll bring this one up as uh, if you put your name on a book we will buy it Uh, (laughs) well if you want to buy something of adbs there is a link below to um no 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 to your to your webcomic i know you've got a very cool webcomic as well um so go check that out um i'll I'll, I'll give you some shouts um people people don't like well I reckon you're one of the few. I love a good love story. Give me a good love story. Uh, give me, give me instead of Fabio on the cover. Give me Sigvold on the cover, like a romance novel. Um, I don't that know with if you remember. me. bank. Well, I, I, like I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Games Workshop lean into Sigvold like Fabio, because for most people, uh, at least the younger generation, they miss the whole Fabio craze. Fabio, yeah. the most beautiful man in the world. Uh, on every cover of a romance novel, in like *Days in the Restless*. Uh, I know him because of Australia. There was a actor called Short Michaela who, um, who would act up um like Fabio, and it was like a skit show. Like you know, it was, it was very, very funny. But uh that's not what you're here to talk about. I want to know more about you, and then we'll get into um, into can we buy ADB braided beanies, branded beanies? All right, when <laughs> do we when do we get when we get beanies. Oh.
1: The thing is, right? I lose on average, I lose one a year, and the site where I used to get them from now is is, is bust. I, somehow my mass beanie spendage wasn't enough to keep them afloat, and so I'm down to one. And it, luckily, it's my favorite one, but I just I'm worried about just wearing it out because then what am I going to do? And I keep buying new ones all the time, and they're not right. They're not the right size, not the right shape. Anyway, this is an extremely boring, but super no, important for me. No, thing. We, love, we, love, we
0: love beanies. I think I think we're seeing that people want the ADB beanie. It's just like ADB bitch. Uh, I reckon. Uh, one other thing though, I actually know two more questions I'd like to get to know ADB before we get into like the meats and potato of the of the show. Is um, I know you've talked previously about doing your hobby half hour at the Aaron Orium. Um uh, the Orium is your your mecca. Uh, I know you've got a pretty cool gaming space, and what we're seeing in the background is just like the hallway or the waiting room into the Orium But um, are you still doing your hobby half hour?
1: Am I bollocks? Um, Christmas killed that. And well, to be honest, I'm 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 writing my Siege of Terror novel right now. So I wake up, I write, sleep. And then i wake up and i write and i sleep i'm doing uh i got some paint on on a couple of space marines like this week and it's the first time i've had paint on plastic in five months like it's i've just i've been so busy
0: i will say that you are an amazing painter um shout out to yourself i'll show you just a couple little bit of uh your hobby like this is this is extraordinary this is yours right
1: yeah yeah but the thing is i cheat right because I'm very neat. I'm not. I'm not good. Like I can't wet blend. I can't. I, I have no like tricks or tactics. I'm just very, very neat. And neatness can like cover a lot of sins. Yeah, this is extraordinary.
0: I, I I took a second glance. Not that I didn't think that you could paint, but I'm like, man, this is really good stuff. Is this just <laughs> some stock? I stole these images off Goonhammer, uh, an interview you did about six months ago, and I'm like, oh, maybe they just because they, they often don't put up their own models. They'll put up. Yeah. Uh, someone from Instagram, I thought, oh, maybe they've pulled some, you know, I know you are a, a, an Ivan the Dipkin player, so I thought, oh, maybe they just pull up some really good hobby. But no, it's yours. I couldn't find any credit, so I, thought I, I, it must be yours. Certainly mine. Uh, people are super keen. For, by the way, people are just like, shout out how amazing you are and uh, how you've inspired so many people. So um, big love there. And also, more importantly, they're saying that w- Warhammer Romance is the next big thing, right? You know, we've got sure. Warhammer Horror. Um, we've had Warhammer horror. We've, we've we've done Warhammer comedy. Let's do Warhammer romance. So uh, mm-hmm. people are very excited about buying your limited edition Siege stories, and like, just people are just being very very awesome. So I'm very great grateful that you took the time out to chat with me. The last question, the last question before we get into like the, the story, uh-huh. is I know you're a terrain man, and I know you like painting
1: terrain. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that still is that still true? kind of i mean yes it's true I, I i but the thing is like i've got such a terrain backlog now that just looking at it makes me anxious so i'm like i can't even that's my gaming room's just there through that arch and i just i just looking in there the amount of sector mechanicus terrain i've got and the amount of azurite ruins i was like no i just I, I can't even look in there right now it's so intimidating I just the, the board has to look perfect, you know. Like, if you look in the, the background of my Idan photos, uh, the back, the, the, the terrain and stuff, and the board they look like almost Games Workshop Studio quality, which is a very, uh, again, it's a cheat because one of it is my friend Ross's excellent photography, and uh, the second one is that Ross mostly and also me we just spend ages on the terrain because we want the boards to look brilliant, but then of course, that means we don't. Well, he does, but I don't then get my armies done very, very fast. So there's a balance.
0: There is definitely a balance, especially when you're a family man and you have so many books with so many deadlines to do. Uh, and also big, big love to Lord here um, saying that we should create a discord for all the fan writers inspired by ADB. I think it would be <laughs> bit, one of the biggest discords going around. Uh, I thought my discord was big. I reckon that one would just be even bigger.
1: I, sn- I snuck into yours the other day, actually.
0: Oh, did you? I did.
1: And I was, like, looking around and looking to see if there's any deepkin photos that I could steal inspiration from. What, look, look, Waiting to see if people are shit-talking you. Uh... Oh, God, no. I, I've, I've learned not to ever search my name. I don't look at Reddit for that exact
0: reason. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get Reddit. I don't know what they say about me. Um, like, I'm sure they I'm sure that it's all very lovely and positive. But I don't want to. I don't want to find that one person who hates my guts and is the That's person exactly downvotes. But there's like, there's always one person that downvotes every single video that I do. Like, even before it goes up, there's always like just one, just one, maybe two. So I must have a mortal enemy, and maybe he's on Reddit or her. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so talk to me about Warhammer, and you know. You've obviously been in the hobby for a long time. I know, you know, you said that, you know, you always played the dwarf in Warhammer Quest. Uh, I believe you were an elf player back in the day. Um, is that, is, is my
1: research correct? It is, it is. Uh, um, and
0: even Undead, were
1: you an Undead player? Briefly, no, That no, was not a successful one. Do you remember how uh, Warhammer Army's Undead used to, used to function, you know, when you'd lose your characters? Yeah, and I would always, always lose my characters. Um, the, yeah, the thing is, I, I tend to not, I have this weird thing, which I've brought up with my therapist once or twice, that like, I, some, I don't often play my favorite things. And the same thing is I don't write what I play. And I often don't write about my favorite things. And I don't really know what that is. Um, but it's just been like this lifelong habit. So I I don't I have no particular love for elves, right? But I Dwarves have always been my fantasy race of choice. But I played like 4,000 points of High Elves and 1,000 points of Wood Elves. And I've never painted a dwarf in my life. And I've never owned a full dwarf army. I painted one Ardin once they uh, you know, got the trademark name change. Um, the the Endrin Master was just such a great model. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've got to paint him. And then the moment he was done, I was like, I despise this color scheme. And I'm never going to touch him again. So farewell. We'll get you on the dwarf army eventually. Uh, bring you
0: over to cities, but I, I do remember like reading a lot of your um, some of your interviews and even just some of your responses on AMA. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, your AMA on Reddit went for what over ten hours. So I was I remember looking oh. at the log like it started at like eight or nine o'clock and it finished at over four four a.m. So mm-hmm. um, and I it was just like over five hundred questions, which was just remarkable. Learning about you, so I kind of know some of these answers, mm-hmm. but getting into the Warhammer world a little bit and I know we've got a mixed group here of 40k players heresy players sigma players uh, fantasy players so maybe we-, we won't go too deep but maybe being at age of sigma channel I will have to ask you a couple of questions what is your what are your age of sigma and your 40k armies and that extends to 30k
1: as well um, so do you which armies do you collect I don't play 40k and I don't play heresy either um I do play Age of Sigma. That's like, that's probably my necromander and Age of Sigma are our two main games here. I've, al- I've always been more of a fantasy player. Um, so I've got my deepkin and I have just so much backlogged plastic of stuff that I think, yeah, this is the army that I'll do. And then I just, I, I never get to them, which is not different from anyone. Don't get me wrong. But even when I do an army, I do it so incredibly slowly. Uh, so. Yeah, I've got my Deepkin, and I promise myself I'm going to have a Gloomspike Gets army, which oh, I desperately want them. They just look so much fun.
0: They uh, are a, a lot of they are a lot of fun, and it's interesting you mention that because most of your Black Library catalog is 40k, yet you claim to not oh, play yeah. 40k, and you don't have a lot of. And a lot of people smashed me the minute I put out this. You know, like I'm asking for questions. I think the big overwhelming question from my community was, "When are you going to write some some Age of Sigma books?" <laughs> yeah, it's it's your primary game, and I guess this is the balance, right? And I guess this is where you know, just because the thing that you love to do doesn't always make the big business and commercial sense, and the challenge of, I guess, or maybe the freedom of writing about forty k without being tied to the game. So I guess that's going to impact like when we get into like the story writing and character development, I'm sure there's some interesting correlation because I would have imagined if I was a 40 K writer, I would only play 40 K because that's the world that I immersed myself into. But yet it could be the game could be, I guess, a, an escape from the world. I, I don't know. What's the relationship to you?
1: That's a, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, I think in some ways that's really difficult for some fans to get because they sort of see it through the lens of say you're a space wolf player and you really love the space wolves, obviously you'd want to write about the space wolves. I'm kind of the opposite. Like if I spend 15 hours a day thinking about something and then, and then all my conversations with all my friends are about the thing, you know, like, cause we're talking about the lore and stories and all that stuff. Anyway, and half the stuff I read is going to be about the thing. Then I don't, I don't really want to play the thing as well. And also it, like. I, one of the things I've always tried to avoid is like I'm not biased. Because I love everything. I don't love anything more than anything else really. Um and I've I've always kind of liked that I uh like I'm not I'm not the I know I get like the chaos guy, but I don't like chaos any more than I like anything else, you know. If I was gonna play forty K, if I had my dream forty K on me it would be Tyranids. Why why Tyranids? I just I love they are the perfect combination, right? Of awesome models, awesome lore. You know, they're like the models are just, they look like nothing else. And then the lore is like just sinister and just complex enough to kind of engage with. And I love the idea that like, you'd have a whole army, right? Where every unit and sometimes every character is effectively, they they themselves don't know what they are, right? They're not characterized. But so it's characterized by the, the army spacing them. So you'd say you'd have like, a a regiment of Tyranid warriors, right? Then they would be like, they'd have like a cool Eldar name because the Eldar would know them as X from the Battle of Y. And then uh, like you'd have a Hive Tyrant that the Imperium knew as A from the Battle of B. I just, I find that just so cool. Like, cause that's just, um, that does so much narrative, like legwork, like just, just really just by the concept itself. And I, I love that shit. I think that's, that's such a cool way to define your army. And plus I just love the models. I have flashbacks of Tyranids when I was playing. Um, so I got into
0: 40K in second edition because mm-hmm. um, my games club was mostly a 40K club. Um, there was pro- the, the fantasy community was only a small growing one. 40K was the hotness. I remember working with my friend Stu, uh, gluing down... You know, metal carnifexes and, and metal uh, hormogaunts. And, you know, back in the day when I was like 10 or 12, I didn't know how to pin. Uh, I just used an industrial amount of super glue. So I just have nightmares of that carnifex, that four oh, yeah. heavy clawed carnifex. It would break all the time. And I never remember seeing the, what's, it, what's the big ship? The Thunder, the Thunderhawk. I remember seeing that in the Games World magazine. I'm like, man, how much plastic glue would I, how much super glue would I need to glow that metal Thunderhawk together? <laughs> that's as a kid how i saw the world it's weird because do you remember how heavy that thing was i never i never got to play it in real life because like it was a million dollars as a kid yeah it was like like i was buying my army blister blister pack at a time like fifteen dollars blister pack to get three empire archers yeah the good old Uh, days oh the good old days like people like oh games workshop was so expensive i'm like imagine you trying to build out your horde for 15 to $20 at a time for three <laughs> models, like three models. Uh, but I do have to call out Alex's comment. here, saying that you only write
1: heresy to kill uh, Logar repeatedly. So. Oh, um, I did I did try and kill him. Like I was really happy with this arc and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and kill him. And it was the rare sort of uh, instance of games workshop saying no. And I knew they would say no, to be honest, because uh, well, my guess, and this is just a guess, uh, would be that it's a Chaos Primarch who could come back one day with a giant, expensive, beautifully sculpted, detailed model. So of course, they're not um, eager to have him offed in, the, in a prequel,
0: so to speak. Are you a DD player? Marty's asking, are you a DD and d player? And if so, are you a player or a DM? Because I know you've got a history with RPGs.
1: Mm. No, I, uh, I do play D&D. I normally play uh, World of Darkness games like Werewolf or, or Vampire and more, but I, I love D&D. Uh, I run World of Darkness games more than I run D&D, but I used to run D&D about like, 70% of the times for my groups as well, yeah. Yeah, great. And Night
0: uh, I will definitely – we will get to that around character development, absolutely. A uh, couple of other quick questions, Age of Sigmar ones. Um, do you have a favourite god in the mortal realms?
1: Oh, God, I wish, I'd, I wish I'd looked at these questions in detail before, so, so i would prepared. I'm sure it's a dwarf one, right, Grimnir? No, actually, uh, it's probably Malarian. Ooh. Um, because – and again, this is – I'm not saying – a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that I like doesn't necessarily coincide with what GW will do or will probably do. That doesn't mean I'm saying what they'll do sucks. It just means that my preferences run towards A and B instead of X and Y. But if, I think, you remember that image they released of Malarian fairly early on? With the dragon wings? Yeah, it's like this. It's just this fucking insane serpent monster thing with those huge dragon wings, just like and that massive claw. And then the lore of him is like, he's just hiding out in the realm of shadows, just hating, you know, just seething with this hate. And I just, I love the idea of this God who has just run off to this like misty, murky secret realm and just hating. And I love the idea of that so much, not necessarily because of that in itself is a strong concept because that's, that's not like super original or anything, but all the cultures and all the civilizations And all the settlements that, you know, live up in this, that rise up with that as their god. Like, what different ways do they interpret that? Uh, What does it mean to, like, have this god up on a mountain above your capital city that just hates, that just radiates this, like, secretive malice all the time? Like, I just, that kind of stuff, like, fascinates me. Like, the ground level of the realms, that's what I love. And so yeah. in terms of malarian, like just the cultures that would spring up around that, that's, that's awesome. I love that stuff.
0: I've, uh, I've been recently getting into the Dark Elf lore. So my army's on parade this year, so 2021. I've dedicated to be a um, uh, a Dark Elf army, well, essentially uh, Daughters of Cain. Uh, and you may appreciate this. I'm actually going to tap into the Cult of Pleasure, the old 6th edition that oh, got yeah. retconned into 7th edition. Cult of Pleasure, aka the Cult of, of Slaanesh, and I've been reading a lot about Malakith now Malarian and the, the relationship Marathi and High Elves. And because I was an Empire player, I couldn't care less about fancy pants Elves. You guys were in the old, you guys were in the New World. I was in the Old World. I was more worried about you know Chaos and Northskir and the fancy oh. pants Bretonians. Um, but and I imagine like when we get to the end, I want to ask you you know some of the things you know what do you what would you like to write in the future? Uh, and as an Age of Sigmar player, I would love your take on Malekith, now Malarian, given that there's not a lot of things written yet. Um, and, you know, it's a bit of an open space. You know, Marathi's just turned into a god. Um, you know, she has, you know, been re- reimagined um, through, through the, you know, her elves. But what does that Malarian version look like? And with your history, I'd love to hear your thoughts um, do you have a favourite character in Age of Sigma and in Forty K slash Thirty K? And if so, who
1: are they? Um, I've got to say in Age of Sigma it would probably be either Malerian or Marathi again because I think um, I really like I just I love what they've how they've been reincarnated so to speak
0: i'm not i'm being told i'm being told sly marbo is the only true god i don't I don't, know, I don't know if that's your your favorite character in in 40k but <laughs> sly marbo is
1: pretty sweet he's um there's too much flesh for me to paint you know i don't like skin just like armor that i can carefully ink that's that's what i need uh that- see, let's see let's see um my my cat's called loken because of uh, horus rising um, back where, like long before I got into writing for Black Library when I got that book but no, favorite characters are difficult probably Sigismund is probably my favorite 40k character uh, and yeah AOS is, is, is different because there's such a disparity between like the characters we see all the time up here on the level of gods and there aren't that many like groundlings so to speak um, yeah, so I'd say malarian and marathy for AOS and probably Sigismund for yeah, so this is I'm always gonna get this with favorite questions, right? Because I don't I don't really have favorites. Um I just because I I've been into the stuff since I was eight, you know, so I love everything. There's nothing I there's nothing I don't like. And what it tends to happen is I'll just change my mind from month to month as something clicks and inspires me, and that'll fade away and I'll inevitably not finish painting it and then yeah. it'll be someone else. Oh, look, you asked me 12 months ago, I would have said Scragrot,
0: the Loon King, you know, the the, the famous yeah. goblin who reads the Bad Moon. He's got yeah. his Lunar Asylum, you know. It's just absolutely, like, his lore is bonkers. Yeah. Then reading, like, the Sons of Behemoth, the Gargan army, and the way they, they tell their stories, and, like, that's got me. Now that I'm knee-deep in Marathi, and, like, this, I, I'm literally, uh, I might even send Marathi a Valentine's Day card. I'm just absolutely <laughs> obsessed with this amazing actually last night i was reading the realms of chaos slaves to darkness book from second edition like i was yeah. literally reading about like the old slan and i was looking at you know what they said about slanish back, back in the 80s uh, or early 90s and it's just like it's just remarkable so I, yeah I, I fully appreciate that our favorites change so much yeah. Uh, but probably like music, I've got like a top five that I, you know, they're, they're my top five. They might rotate from, from time to time, but my top five rock bands are my top five.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what's, what is, do you do you realize you made many people
1: love a bad and right? Uh, that's, I mean, I hope that's true. Uh, I have this kind of unhealthy approach to just deciding what I want to write sometimes where I'll go, Hey, everyone gets this wrong, <laughs> so I'll I'll take the case, you know, and that's like that's super unhealthy. And it's, I, w- I worry that it's arrogant. I mean, I don't mean it from an arrogant place. What I mean is just, you see people, okay. When you're behind the curtain, right, you just, you're, you're always having these conversations about what, how X should be presented or how it wasn't necessarily presented perfectly in the past, or, you know, your ideas of how it should be presented. And just one of the things was always like, it often mystified people um, at Games Workshop why Abaddon was a joke, because a lot of people didn't, didn't didn't see the memes so much. Like Abaddon being a joke is a meme thing. It's not it's not in the law. The law is always like, yeah, he's prophesized to end the Imperium. He is the arch traitor. He's the one who all the seers predict will succeed where Horus failed, and obviously as customers of a company, we know that, that 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 can't happen because you can't, you know, you can't end 40K. And plus, the way chaos has its claws into a battle, it will never let him win. But he's the one that the Imperium, you know, is absolutely certain will. He's like, he's the, he's the name that parents whisper to their kids. You know, he's the devil. He's the antichrist of the sense. So I was like, I'd like to convey that. But I don't want to play it straight. But I, I read a lot of historical fiction. And what i do is i try and write in from that perspective a lot of historical fiction isn't from the perspective of the like the, the famous person it's people in there in a circle um the people who are there on the fringes who like uh, experience the events set in motion by that person so that's why in the black legion like i i wanted to in the black legion series i wanted to have characters in a badden sphere and their lives are defined by his actions and the things he sets in motion but you don't really get to see inside badman's head because i don't i don't think you should really
0: no i don't think so especially like some of the things i don't want to learn uh people are people are, 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 are questioning your favorite character choice thinking it should be Sevatar. um <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't get away with a live stream without Sevatar being brought up at least once
1: yeah no that's fair um Savitar is everything i hate in a character i think to be honest everything i hate in a character um and it was he's he's kind of like me, me and john french used to talk about this like combining all the stuff i don't like in genre characters and i want to i want to redeem him and i want to make him credible and convincing and so that's why i've like leaned into like i've researched quite a lot about sociopathy psychopathy and like heavy levels of autism to convey like what what it's like to be around Sevatar and what it's like to be you know in his in his, in his mind sometimes but often like the best avatar scenes I think are when someone's near him and not entirely sure how to react to him uh there's a, a line that I was really happy with which I think sums up Sevatar really well which says he's like he's he, I can't remember the exact phrasing but it's like at some point in the conversation with Araman, and he smiles because that's what you're supposed to do at that point in the conversation. He has no idea how to interact like, interact with people, but he, he just like copies other people and you know. And so, yeah, he's a lot of that. Like he's like the the badass, the wisecracker. He's all of that stuff, which I kind of hate. But I was like, how do I make this credible? How do I make this a character that I care about and that I can make other people care about? That was that's the idea with Serpentai, and he's got a long arc, and we kind of haven't really seen that much of it. I love that. And I, I, and
0: we are dancing and it's, it's perfect. Cause I wanted to segue into character development, but I did want to call out this quick question, which was, um, uh, Antarian is becoming a father this year. Congratulations. Right. Um, w- when and how can I introduce the fluff to my son and where should I get started? Um, I, I think, I think first off, you know, kids, um, they, they say, you know, in, in classic kids books that you should, uh, Play Beethoven and you know classical music when they're in the womb. <laughs> I imagine Forty K lore, maybe Night Lords audio dramas uh, have that while the baby's in the womb, and then you know uh, you know puts them to, to sleep. And uh, I would imagine that would be a wonderful start to the kid's life. I don't know if you have any thoughts, but in fairness, I don't have any kids. I've got a dog, so uh, maybe I'm well, not to anything. take caring advice from. But you've got some.
1: Um, I wouldn't try. To get them into it. It's one of those things where I think if they're gonna get into it, then they will. Um, like my son hasn't shown that much interest. My son shakes, he's nine now, he's gonna be nine in a few weeks. He hasn't shown that much interest in it. But my daughter Scout, she's five. And every like week I'll get several questions of hey daddy, can we paint Warhammer? I'm like, wait till like, I get you some spare sprues that you can mess up, my beloved, my beloved daughter. Uh, so I think it—they'll it, just gravitate to it if, if they're going to. Um, that said, I read the first two uh, Warhammer AOS uh, kids books. I read them to Shakes like when he was uh, seven or eight, seven I think, um, and he loved those. He absolutely loved those. And I was, to be honest, I was one of the people who was like, I didn't want to say it in public, you know, because if there's something that GW do that I don't like, I just won't talk about it. But then, like, I thought about it, like, for a few days. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I, I trust, you know, I trust the two, Tom Middleston and uh, Kevin Scott. I was like, you know what? They're, they're they're good writers. I trust them. Let's see how it goes. Um, and then I saw the artwork. And like, the artwork just reminded me of all these cartoons I loved when I was a kid. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm on board now. And that was when I did a tweet thread defending it. So, like, actually, you know what? I think this is going to kick ass. And I read those first two books. You know, it's about the Skaven um, in the in the, the city in gyron and yeah shakes loved it and i was surprised like there's some it's not like gory or anything but there's some like not there's some pretty horrible stuff like chapter one is you know the the kid running away from her dying mother in a slave camp and it's like it's not it's not it's warhammer it's warhammer, for a kid's right? story as well like with yeah, yeah yeah under
0: context here it's not uh for adults this is adults mm. telling children or children reading on their own Yeah. Um, which is, which is remarkable, but, again, like, uh, I, I imagine... I, I think the people who are in the hobby today sometimes forget how lucky they are. You know, you and I grew up in an age where we learnt to paint with a book called How to Paint Citadel Miniatures where there was no video demonstrations, where terrain was cardboard cutouts or you would use styrofoam or we'd get, like, encyclopedias and, and clad glue and, um, yeah. like the the world has just expanded significantly and even from a, from a law perspective um i would read like the old gotrex and felix books but from a law perspective there just wasn't a lot but now yeah, yeah. you've got people uh who are doing Patreon, like you know i subscribe to gab thorpe's Patreon and get all his thoughts and his ideas and
1: yeah i've yeah. got
0: people doing you know comic books like yourself i can learn so much more from fan fiction and video interviews it's just crazy um And I know there was a question that came up a little bit earlier, which was kind of similar to where I wanted to segue, Um, it came from Brian, and it's kind of where I wanted to segue into from a character development. So we kind of got a little bit of an idea of who you are and what got you into the world and um, some of the, you know, like just get a better understanding as you, because I guess the way you've grown up and the way you perceive the hobby will be different to so many people who have written in the past or will be writing for Black Library uh, in the future, but from a character development point of view, because um, as a player, I wanna have better characters and I'd love to have my characters fleshed out a bit more. I feel like in one fantasy where I could customize my armies a bit more yeah. with you know, very niche decisions, I had stronger characters, um, though I shouldn't let the you know, rules dictate characters. Hmm. But I think for me, at least as a minimum, while I'm, I'm not an aspiring writer, I would like to be able to tell better stories. But then there's also people who are aspiring writers. So I guess the question that I had that came up uh, a couple of times, and Brian just asked it here, is like from a narrative perspective, um, does Games Workshop, or even you know, I know you wrote for Vampire the Masquerade and you've done other things, but h- how does the major developments go into the briefing of a project? Do you do you pitch an idea to them, like, hey, I want to write a love story about Duc- the Dukari? Or do they tell you what to do? Like, hey, we need the 700 uh, sto- uh, Stormcast um, Space Marine uh, book. Uh, is it a bit of a mixture? Like, how, how does the process start for you?
1: Okay, this is probably going to be a long, and, a long and branching answer. <clears throat> and it may not be satisfying at times because the reality is that it's very complicated. Um, you need to... Okay. (laughs) Okay. Every single project is different. So that's one. Every single novel comes into existence differently. That's one thing to bear in mind. Then secondly, every single author has a different relationship with editorial. Then, um, games workshop goes through eras, you know, like this, one of the things that we kind of joke about is that, you know, when people say, Oh, games workshop, that just did XYZ games workshop doesn't exist. (laughs) Like there is no one gestalt whole, you know, like what games workshop is, is a bunch of departments that communicate often very well, um, like any company, you know, uh, but when, in terms of the law, the point that the freedom of interpretation is often the point it's often, you're not supposed to be beholden to something that someone wrote, uh, you know, 25 years ago on the lunch break in one paragraph you know the point is that we often have this thing where we say 40k doesn't exist there's like there's no one thing that we all see um actually it was the previous literally the previous ip manager who explained this to me he was like imagine there's like a giant sphere and there are like a million windows on this sphere and everyone can look into the different windows and they see something in there they see different parts of it it's like effectively like the the, you know, the three blind men and the elephant you know it's, it's that kind of thing and games workshop is often often the same kind of thing so there are some authors just to wrap this get this back on track there are some authors who go uh who almost exclusively have their stuff uh they get approached they'll be like uh they'll get emails from the editors saying hey we'd like a story about this we'd like a book about this could you do that and then like 80 percent of the stuff they do will be that they'll like the uh the, the uh, minis are coming out xyz we'd like a, a novel about this character to tie into those minis and i think uh, i think i read in your ama there was something about a dreadnought there was a book that you were putting
0: out and i think there was a re-release or some type of dreadnought release Oh, that maybe, the dread knight the dreadnought. Yeah. sorry i thought it was dreadnought yeah, yeah,
1: dreadnought. yeah. um yeah um my, my editor asked me to put a dread knight in the emperor's gift uh, and uh, I was just like, I, I I didn't want to do it just for the sake of it, and I was so far into the book by that point, I was like, I just, you know, no. But but occasionally, like, there'll be, but you can get little requests like that once in a while. Um, in that specific instance, I was like, I just, I, I can't do it organically, so no. But then th- they were 100% fine with that. That's not a, it's, it's not something that I got in trouble for or anything. Um, so, yeah, you've got the the authors who, 80% of the time, the studio, uh, the Black Library are coming to them and saying, can you do this for us? And, you know, they'll say yes. And then they'll write the uh, synopsis for the book and the chapter breakdown, and then that'll get approved by editorial. And there are some uh, who have never really... For example, me, I would never get that, really, for several reasons. One, they wouldn't be able to trust me with a the deadline. There's just... Uh, publishing when you fuck up a deadline is incredibly expensive and I have cost games workshop, you know, money in the past from, from my lateness, um, you know, trying to get it all back into, uh, back onto track. No, lateness.
0: this, this is, this is fascinating to, to me, Aaron, because, um, so I'm a corporate shill. I work at a corporation yeah, and, yeah. uh, I, I, I work, uh, very closely with marketing teams, uh, as one of my core roles, um, mm-hmm and have for a long time and i'll know and i've been a part of marketing campaigns i've been a part of product releases um and i know you know when a, a product manager is is working towards something that you know look we've got november is going to be our deliverable it's a, yeah. a key spend time or something in the environmental factors you know whatever every every industry has environmental factors you know retail booms and peaks at certain times uh-huh. you've got you know People will get money at you know, uh, you know, after Christmas. You know, anyway, like everyone has environmental factors, and you plan for those types of things in a product. Uh, and if we know that we're going to do a, a product release, or there's something bigger, uh, let's let's bring it into a games workshop pers- uh, perspective here. Let's say that uh, I don't know the Eldar are going to get a new Codex in August. I-, I make this up, guys. I don't know. I'm not saying that Eldar's getting a Codex. Just that's just the example. Now, they know that, you know, they know this. They don't know this in 2020. They've they've probably planned this for years. Oh, yeah. Especially when there's new models in range. Usually, from my understanding, the development cycles approximately two to three years before you get it from from the initial concepts to the designing of the models to the testing of the models to the writing of the books to the, 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 um, usually the, the publication of books are at least three to five months before they're actually hitting the shelves. So they're being already produced Yeah. anyway, knowing that, you know, in, in six months, 12 months, 18 months time, I can imagine that there might be some incentives for a writer like yourself, like, Hey, look at Eldar coming out in, in 2021, who can put out a couple of books, who can write a story about, um, about the avatar of Kane or whatever it might be, uh. But then, you know, what that then means is that not everyone's writing about Eldar. They still yeah. need stories about Space Marines, about, you know, Stormcast, about... They need all other books, so they still need this. I guess they need a mixed, right? They can't yeah, have I mean, everyone focus on Eldar because then
1: every other faction gets no love um, yeah. for a long time. See, that's where, like, the other... This is where the other branches come in. Like, that's one reason they wouldn't ask me to do that kind of thing, or because just, you know, there's a the deadline risk. The, uh, the second reason is they have asked me in the past and I've always said no, because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do those kind of things. So the, I mean, the money's good, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, and it's cool to get like the publicity push of releasing when minis come out or when a codex comes out or whatever. Uh, but it's just, well, this is the thing. Ideas are free, you know, ideas are the easiest thing in the world. And there, every single 40 K fan or every single Warhammer fan has hundreds and hundreds of ideas that would make good, that would make good stories or good books. And then when you do it professionally, you have just as many, if not more. And so my schedule, for example, looks, I mean, I know my schedule is looking like three or four or five years in advance, and part of that's because I'm so slow that it takes me like a year or a year and a half to write a novel. And part of it's just because i've already locked in with editorial what i want or what i want to do and then and this is where the last branch comes in they know if they release it whatever it is it's probably going to sell if they, they they trust me enough to sell so i get that leeway i get the kind of leeway where i don't write like long synopsis of books you know, i'll often write dear editor uh gray Knights." And then they'll send back, you know, yeah, when? I mean like at some point, as soon as I can. You know, it's like I I'm I'm exaggerating for effect, but it's not a million miles away from that. I mean, there's still like that I don't want to imply that I don't work with my editors because I have you know, I work really closely with Nick Nickheim and he's that man has crossed every T and dotted every I of my ten plus years at Black Library. He's Incredible with feedback. He's excellent to talk story through with, and he's, you know, he's he's an absolute gem. So I work really hard with him, but at the same time, not at the pitch process. Uh, I think that comes. Well, I hand with, him a draft, and then we talk about what I've just written. Well, that comes with reputation over
0: time, right? Um, yeah. You couldn't you couldn't have done that at the start of your tenure at Black Library, because um, you're just another name. You're like, who are you? You haven't proven yeah. yourself. But once you've proved yourself, you've got runs on the board, you've, you know, you've made some book sales, because um, I guess, you know, for the investment, I, I, again, I'll put my commercial hat on being the business person that I am, mm. despite my beard. But Aaron did see my uh, corporate photo on my Gmail. And then boy, it was oh, boy, horrifying, I think, horrifying. <laughs> it was surprised to not see a beard on my face. So uh, I did update my LinkedIn profile recently to have my beard, uh, but You know, when when you start your career and when you're working with somebody new, you don't know who they are, that you don't know the output, they have no reputation. Yeah, they might have a brand from another industry, but you haven't proven yourself at this organisation. But I imagine once you've got wins on the board, whether that's commercial sales, that's volume of books sold, uh, whether that is positive press. I know you are a New York uh, bestseller uh, as well. So getting accolades from industries. You know, once you build that reputation and people trust you, and you've you know you've proven you can do it, doesn't mean you have full autonomy. It Doesn't mean like you can just go do whatever you want, whenever you want. But they're more likely for you to take risks, to try different yeah. things, yeah. to uh, not maybe not ask as many heavy questions uh, as opposed to when you first started. Like, give me a heavier synopsis. What's the delivery date?
1: Well, trust is everything. Like, um, I I handed in my second novel, Soul Hunter. And, like, I think it was on chapter two, like, the editorial comments on that uh, said it was from Nick, and he was saying that he, he wanted me on the Horus Heresy team, like, just from chapter two of my second novel. And from then, like, like that was just the most incredible, like, adrenaline rush, like, confidence boost you can get. Not just because, you know, you're like, oh my God, I'm g- gonna get to do this thing I've always dreamed of, but just because, like, you know, your editor trusts you then, you know? And that's trust. Trust is absolutely everything. Uh, Hell's Reach, for example, Hell's Reach is one of the a rare instances where um Nick came to me and said that he wanted, he said, would, would I do X? And it was they were launching Space Marine Battles and they were launching it with Rin's World. And then he said, Soul Hunter was great, um, we want you to do a heresy novel, but there's just there's no slot just yet, so can you uh, can you join the Space Marine Battles series? And I was like, Yeah, of course, that sounds awesome, you know. Give me time to think up an idea. And he said, Well, we'd like to do Black Templars and Hell's Reach is their really famous battle. Yeah, uh, can you do a book about that? I was like, Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. And like that was as far as the, the instruction for Hell's Reach went. Pretty much everything else has been me saying, Look, I'd like to redeem Abaddon and explain how the Black Legion works and explain the metaphysics of chaos and what it's like to live in the Eye of Terror. And like you can sort of see Nick's eyes glaze over, and he goes, "This is going to be late. This is going to be so late." But like, yeah, okay, off you go. So that's that's kind of a, that's that's my pitching process. But I mean, like, and Dan's, to be honest, Dan's is the same. Um, but there's no better way of doing it. Like, I don't think I'm some maverick, lone wolf, renegade. You know, just because my pitching process is me-driven instead of them-driven, like it's there's there's no difference. I probably make way more money and. Write about more popular factions. If I was like taking some advice now and again, <laughs>
0: and, and and that's and that's the challenge as well, right? As a, I, I, I can imagine. Look, I, I talk from assumption, and I talk from a, I relate it from other industries and other initiatives, but not necessarily being an author myself. Uh, but I can appreciate where kind of you're coming from, and I think the challenge as well is that you know you've got business demands, and then you've got personal. Personal things that you're interested in. And it's a Venn diagram of what what will sell, what's interesting, and what works for the organization. Because, um, like right now, you might be really passionate to write, um, I don't know, like something. Let's let's go Gene Stealers, for example, or something in, in Age of Sigma. You're like, oh, I'd love to really write uh, the story of Malarian, as we've already talked about, you know, being your favorite uh, Age of Sigma character but they're like, oh, malaria is not important to us right now, or it's a range we don't want to push, or, hey, we're going to be redesigning the Gene Stealer range in 2022 because, again, they work so far ahead of the future. Either A, write the book and we'll shelve it for a year just until we get closer to that date. B, if you write it now, it's probably not going to sell as well as in 2022 when, you know, everyone's really excited to talk Gene Stealers Um, or no, we don't want you to work on that just yet because we're doing stuff in the background. So it's like, put it on ice. It's, um, or sometimes it's just a flat out. No, we don't think it's going to sell because of maybe previous sales of models, whether it's, um, whether it's just like, they don't want to push that range that they want to really push, sisters and you know because of game, game uh, video game licenses and other i guess other ips as well because i guess the black library is just one part of the storytelling yeah, in the yeah. games workshop universe
1: this is also yeah that's that's 100 true and this is also what i mean when i talked about eras earlier like i've been with um yeah i've been Black library for like 12 years they've been publishing my stuff i think for 11 and i think it there have been like six, five or six distinct eras that we all know about that have had um, either different managing, um, like different top brass at the top of Black Library, or Black Library has been integrated to various degrees with um, the design studio, or like, you know, it, right at the start, it was they were completely uh, isolated from each other. Then at one point, Black Library was literally dissolved. Into publications, and then they kind of went, Let's not do that anymore. And then they brought, you know, because there was that period for about 18 months where everything was only tied into what was being released, like the minis that were being released. Um, and admittedly, a few of the authors uh, got aware, got out of that Uh, again, like from trust and you know, longevity or whatever. Um, like we, some of us were lucky like that, but at the same time, like that's, that that's, that's years ago now. Like that's, it's we've had like two more swings of the pendulum. So it's that's that this is what I mean when I say like, there's no one path, like the, for example, the Dawn of Fire series, that was Black Library driven, like just like the, uh, the Heresy series that was Black Library saying, Hey, we'd like to do this series. Then they ask, then they invite various authors on and Then the authors plan out what the narrative of the series is working in cases of um, the Dawn of Fire series, you know, working really closely with the studio because it's so tied into the meta plot. Whereas the heresy, it was just like, there was nothing. It's like, okay, let's just take that in whatever direction it goes in. Um, But if you look at something like mine and most of the stuff mine and Dan Wright, me and Dan Wright, it's not remotely uh, related to any, any release schedules. Do you know who does the best at this? I really admire... Chris Rate, because he has this motto, he says, one for me, one for the studio. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he writes. And I was like, that's that's very mature, you know. He's like one that one that he just desperately wants to do, and then he's like one that he knows will sell really well and it's mm. about something that GW want and you know, and yeah, I think that's a really good way, because there's not there's no difference in quality. All this stuff is fantastic, so it's not like there's no dip or anything. And
0: I I imagine, uh, and not to get into your bank account, but I imagine there's financial benefits by writing books at a popular time. So knowing that Eldar was coming out, you know, in 2022 and having a book ready for 2022, it's not like you're on a fixed salary, you you know. It doesn't matter. You're just pumping out articles for White Dwarf and Battle Tomes. You know, you've got some skin in the game to make sure that your books sell and, you know, you are fairly compensated for those so i can imagine by having something for the release schedule or talking about character uh, popular characters or popular armies uh there is some type of financial windfall um to do that
1: yeah yeah um i can't really speak from experience on that score because i'm so absolutely terrible at it but again this is one of the ways that black library have just been so fantastic to me that they like uh, when space wolves are redone recently they um uh they yeah, no, they they re-released um, my Ragnar Blackmail novel. Like I had no idea they were going to do that, and that you know that's that was that was awesome. I mean, obviously they didn't do it for me, but it was you know they hit me up and like we, we were going to re-release Ragnar. Do you want to do a new introduction for it? And I would have done, but I was so freaking busy. But uh, you know stuff like that as well. Like it's they 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 take care of us. You know we're not we're not just uh, nameless tools to them. And I wanted to ask some of these questions because uh, I guess being a
0: professional author, again, it's not a job that I have, uh, but it's it's so shrouded in mystery. You know, yeah, yeah. people wonder, how do I make that jump, you know? And um, Night Lords, Leviathan, had mentioned, you know, you just can't rock- knock up on Games Workshop door. Uh, it's not like the olden days with like a demo, like, hey, famous band, here's my mixtape. Can you give it a listen? Uh, let's do a collab uh, you know you can't just you know knock on the door you know there's so much demand and yeah. um you know there's now official submission dates and submission hey we're looking for i think it was it late last year there was a a call for warhammer horror authors yeah. Yeah. So um,
1: Submissions submissions normally once every year i think it is
0: yeah, so, so, you know, uh, at the moment there is, you know, it seemed like I think for the last couple of years there's been this towards the end, like September, October, there seemed to be this uh, submission date for Black Library. They'll tell you what they're looking for and they'll give you a topic or they'll they'll, they'll kind of give you a framework of a, a theme or something. Um so I imagine for anyone who's looking to make that break, and I, I guess as well, like, you know, I know a lot of authors, more commercial business authors than they are. And I think one of the challenges as well is, you know, more and more publishing houses, uh, not, I don't know how Blackwell Library comes into this, but they also want the guarantee that you'll sell books. Yeah, yeah. And one of the Absolutely. one of the ways they do that is they look at your, uh, I guess your so, your social media, your connection with your your fan base. Uh, you know, once you write that book, what's your what's your ability to then push it out to the world to say, hey, buy my book, um, and not just rely on the publishing house to to do all the advertisement for you. So, and then obviously off the back of your success, they will more likely push your books. But I guess you know, again, lifting yes, the lid a little, little bit. It's just the relationship I wanted to kind of
1: yeah I guess um that's no that's a really good point um but it's not a case of like again this comes down to different eras but I've probably been in trouble for about so my social media more than more than most um and I I'd, I'd hesitate to say more than any but more definitely more than most I would I had- definitely
0: I would definitely say that you weren't the top I've seen some people uh but yeah it's 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 very funny because um i know again like when i i used to work with linkedin and i would actually talk to a lot of companies and you know i'd actually share with them that you know while this is your professional brand you are representative of an organization so there's this very fine line when you work for a company what you can and can't do and yes it might be a personal account but you're still representative of a brand so um i guess i guess if you're an aspiring author i guess the point that i was trying to make there was around how you can live, how can you can come to an author and de-risk uh, a publication by having an audience and uh, an audience who is willing to buy your product as opposed to uh, an author who might write really good stuff but has no social presence so that when they go out, they go, hey, I've got this amazing
1: book about malarian. They're like, mm-hmm. who are you? What's your, you what's say your that You say that, but Dan has like practically no social media presence and i would be willing to bet honestly that black library would be happier if i didn't have one but dan has a reputation <laughs> he already has he already has reputation yeah. if
0: i was an aspiring author right now that might be a little bit different right because i don't have a brand yet
1: yeah yeah i just i guess it's like a defensive thing to be honest i just find it quite hacky in a way if someone's like if they do their social media purely for publicity I just find that quite hacky and tacky, but I mean, again, I guess it's like the. I, I I've had the luxury of because I just I use mine to just talk about my family or talk about going mad or talk about the law. Um, it was never for publicity, and yeah, it's, it's uh, again, there's no one, there's no one route. Again, I, I don't think mine's mine's certainly not the professional way of doing it, which is, um, I mean, I've I've been in trouble a lot.
0: That's that's right, and that's that's that's
1: the company
0: policy and their risk tolerance and things. But to get us back on topic, i have going to ask Eric said, how does someone uh, from the UK uh, become a Phoenix Suns fan?
1: <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> way back when the world was young, um, when I was like thirteen or something, I uh, played Tecmo Super NBA Basketball on my friend Snez. Yep. And uh he had a player he really liked that he that he used to shoot threes all the time and so did I. And his was John Stockton and mine was Danny Ainge. And then like a couple of years later we were like just we, he got a basketball net in his back garden. So we were like playing it and then we started to watch it like when Sky Sports would allow us to watch basketball, you know, once every two weeks or whatever for 15 seconds. And we had to decide okay, well, who were our teams? And we said, okay Whatever team Stockton and Ainge play on, those are going to be our teams. And my friend Nick, uh, he Stockton still played on the Utah Jazz, so he's a lifelong jazz fan now. And I, uh, Danny Ainge was playing; he was sixth man on the Phoenix Suns when they were awesome, and it was just the best time to be a Suns fan. It was, it was just so pure. <laughs> it was just so good. And then they sucked pretty much ever since steve nash left so blah 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 blah. long story short yeah i'm I'm a lifelong Suns fan and it's kind of danny ainge's fault really so that's why i have the the poster of an otherwise unremarkable player but he's the one who got me into basketball
0: i was always a number three fan of the phoenix so for me it was always charles barkley um And there was a Mega Drive game back in the day, or a Genesis if you're from America. It was like Charles Barkley, shut up and jam. Uh, and it was like, it was street ball. So I'd always play the NBA and I was always at an Orlando Magic and Chicago Bulls. I was just at Anthony Hardaway, Anthony Hardaway, and um, and obviously Jordan, you know, the GOAT. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the Phoenix Sun, and I love that street ball. I love that Charles Barkley. So um, it was straight up hot fire. But Uh, Bringing us back to Black Library, and um, there's so many cool questions. And, guys, I wish I could answer all of your questions. I'm trying to avoid some of the very granular questions. I can see some really cool stuff, you know, and I guess for the the topic that we're talking about, we can't get into the weeds. As much as I'd love to talk about your favourite Dark Tower book, as much as I'd love to to bring up those types of things, I think we've got to keep to the topic. Um, otherwise we'll be here for that AMA, that, that 10 hour AMA, which I don't have a problem with, but I've got a, uh, a family lunch to go to and you've got to go to sleep. But
1: have you praised the emperor today? I'm sad to say I have not. I have written for the emperor though, because I, I downed my work tools literally like 10 minutes before this uh, conversation started. So yeah, I've written about the emperor today. Praise,
0: praise the emperor. <laughs> You, you you talked a little bit about the IP manager because I guess for me one of the challenges that I would see about writing Warhammer is there's just so much law. 40k has a law that goes back thirty plus years. Warhammer Fantasy had a law of thirty plus years. Age of Sigmar now has five a five year law. But you've also got White Dwarf publications. You've got you know many different books from from um, Black Library. How how do you like how do you write a story? And keep continuing with a theme and tapping into that that wonderful history. Because I imagine you know you can't read every book, every piece of law known to man. Is, is there an encyclopedia? Is there a uh, like, like how do, how on earth do you do you do it without stepping on people's toes and retconning things? You know, um, on, on, you know. Sometimes we 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 do we, we, we do retcon, but how do you avoid that? You know, how do you proofread that you don't contradict the law that's been written in the past or like how does that all kind of come about okay get comfortable this is going to be long no please this is because this is fascinating this is fascinating because something like a space marine has been around for a long time there's been a lot written about the the various armor suits alone
1: you know the mk ones to like this just how do you like how do you do it yeah um again a lot of this comes down to different eras um where how the company was structured and how how you know who's working where and what their what their mandate is but really it comes down to that idea of there is no 40k like there's no fact there's no like core thing that is it's just like a bundle of facts there's there's a vibe and there is there's classic law that was just drenched in that vibe and you tap at it you know you mine it and then you take that feeling and then you run with it in a different direction at at the core that if you're writing for warhammer that's your job now some people may not know the law as well as uh like i said before i've been into this since i was eight i'd be willing to venture that i know no one knows what they don't know don't get me wrong but my knowledge is pretty encyclopedic however that doesn't mean anything really like that that doesn't make me better at this like if uh, i've said this before like if you put me and Dan Abnett in a quiz, like I would beat him 100 times out of 100 in a lore quiz. But, like, are you like, are you trying to tell like he doesn't he doesn't read codexes, he doesn't read battle terms. But are you trying to tell me that Dan Abner doesn't understand 40k? You know, like Dan Abner defines 40k. That man, he, he, you cut him and he bleeds Zagrax Earthshade, you know, like he he, he invented the Vox, like he 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 is 40k in a lot of ways, and that's that's why, like, I think a lot of I say a lot. Of, I think some fans who kind of take law videos as like as, as sometimes as everything. It's like as gospel. It's like that's just that's just information. It's just data. It's not it's not always law. Um, okay, which then ties back into Games Workshop doesn't. We don't like to on. There aren't times because the the law is so you know it's loose it's loose canon. That's that's like the jokey way of referring to it. That means it's very difficult to get something wrong, unless you get the tone wrong, right? Details are often like it's intentionally left vague, so you can play around with stuff, and so you can overlap, so you're not beholden to X, Y, Z. Um, there are times when something will be too, uh, it'll have maybe like gotten a bit too much prominence, and it'll like start to be memed. Or whatever, and then instead of retconning it, what usually happens is GW just doesn't mention it again. Mm. That's it's very, very rare. Um, Like the the classic example is the Blood Ravens. Like everyone's like, oh, they're loyalist Thousand Sons. And the point is, they might be. Like that's awesome. That's cool. But once you say they are, that's not really what this this that's that's not what this IP is about. Like that's not. It's cool, and it's fan service, and a lot, a lot of fans desperately want it, and that's cool. Like, but like the mandate sort of came down from on high. It's like stop saying they are, and like you're not you're not supposed to say they are. And because actually, because I was the one talking publicly at the time about it, I got the blame for it. All the people who want them to be Thousand Sun successors, like oh, ADB hates the Blood Ravens. Fucking love the Blood Ravens. I think they're awesome. I just you know happened to be the one who was saying. Yeah, actually i would quite like the mystery the mystery is better and it's very rare they do something like that but occasionally like someone from the absolute top brass will go no 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 please don't mention that again so that's another way that you you don't you don't tread on people's toes
0: perfect example of that in sigma and and it's interesting when you see like internet fights and they'll always like snippet like one line it was referred once in a white dwarf or in a book and it's just one reference that is like 10 years, 15 years old, these keep pushing it down your throat. And the one that comes up in Sigma all the time is the relationship with tomb Kings and Cetra. And, you know, what in one book, there was one reference to a Stormcast that died called Setrus. Yeah. And people are just like, well, Cetra is a Stormcast. He's gone. Cetra is never coming back. You know, I think there's only one reference and it's that one. And like, there's never been a reference ever again. So it's yeah, interesting yeah. you say that it's not like they come out and say no, this is not true. They just stop mentioning it, but they just keep bringing up this one little article, which yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting to say that because again, Warhammer is just stories, right? And yeah, yeah. and and that's why I, there's there's some in Age of Sigma. I really love the destruction stories because. They're not told by the Stormcast. And when you listen to a Stormcast audio drama, it, it's a Stormcast. It's a paladin, you know. Um, everyone is evil, you know. It's just like it's the righteous and the pure. But then you see other sides of, like, the orcs, the goblins, the, um, the, the giants and the ogres, and it's the way that they tell stories, the way that they perceive the world and... Reading the sons of, of of Behemoth armies, the way that they tell stories is through these these very tribal feats of strength that you would have imagined in the very 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 early days. And um, now, does that mean that um, uh, a giant literally ate the sun? No. Did they literally drink all the water in the ocean? No. It's just a story, and I think we interpret it the way that we want to, uh, how it what it means to us and. I think you're right. Like it's just because someone wrote a book doesn't make it fact, true and law. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it can be challenged in the future and it doesn't make it wrong. It just means like there's always three sides of a story, your version, my story in the,
1: in the middle. Yeah. yeah. See, this is one of the things I think AOS does really, really well. Um, okay. Cause like, you, you make that you give the perfect example right like it's just destruction are brilliant at this they like you get all these cultural stories through the lens of that culture how much is true it, it literally doesn't matter and i think in some ways that's difficult for fans of other ips that like wander into 40k because they are looking for facts they're looking for definitives they're looking for answers and it's like this is not the ip like it is intentionally crafted and guarded against that like and it's it's not sometimes you see it dismissed as like laziness like to not agree uh, with other interpretations but it's like it's the point the easiest thing in the world would be just to agree with each other like the point is to put your own spin on it and to put um, you know to, to look to look at the setting through your lens like if you're writing for black library your job ultimately is to show the setting through your lens now a lot of the times that will agree like I mean we, there's a reason me, uh, Chris Rate, and John French are such good friends. We see the setting in exactly the same way. Our stuff has the exact same kind of tone. You know, our, our prose doesn't really particularly read very similarly, but like we all see 40k the same way. Rachel Harrison is the same as well. Like she just her vision of 40k, I just I just love it, and it's familiar and it makes sense to me. And sometimes she'll like come up with something that I haven't thought of or whatever, and that's that's just kind of how that's that's your job you know you there here's your lens show the setting that's that's kind of and yeah you're right destruction does that really really well but i think it creates like a space that um was
0: asking a little bit earlier was around and while we're not going directly to this particular question i wanted to call this out because you know i think one thing that i love about space marines and you know i don't collect space marines uh but it does create probably the range that creates the most opportunity to create your own law and your own heroes and your own stories uh and despite it's just a humble space marine and people wonder why stormcast eternals were introduced into fantasy you just mm. need to look at you know the customization levels and the yeah. storytelling that the space marines bring to the story but as you said they're not always the good guys um and i love at least in age of sigma where i spend most of my time reading law you yeah. get to see the other side more and um like, I remember I remember reading this story, there was a time where um, in the lead up to Malign Sorcery, there was a, a little event called the Malign Portance, and there's these little stories leading up to the event, and there was this one particular time where there was a, you know, generic human, you know, a father and son uh, living in their little house, and um, and they were, like, they had Nurgles rot, they were kind of dying. And in the story, the, the, the Stormcast found them, and you would think, oh, cool of the good guys they're gonna go help these people who have been uh, yeah. affected by nurgle's touch and heal them up and save them actually cut sick and killed them killed mm-hmm. the father and the son and and it's, it's it's those moments that you realize that that good isn't good uh, or order isn't good the imperium yeah, yeah. isn't good the yep. imperium believes what they're doing is good but not necessarily are the good guys it reminds me of the karate kid i always believed that daniel was not the good guy the cobra kai with the good guy danny daniel was the uh, like like you came into me stole my girlfriend you ruined my, my city mm. but it's the way we perceive the world and who you identify with and it's those opportunities that allow us to tell more stories and debate and have fun and i love that vagueness um in the in the storytelling
1: Yeah. Again, that's one of the things that's very intentional. Like it's, you, um, it's, it's Warhammer, right? Everyone's wrong. That's the point. Everyone is ignorant. Everyone is wrong. And I mean, that's just, that's the best storytelling foundation you're ever going to get. You know, every single person in the story is kind of wrong. And I mean, basing characterization on that, it's just a gold mine because as long as you can make someone's delusions convincing, like why they believe something and, um, like what brought them to that, what brought them to that point, you know, then, then you're you're home free because you've got half of a credible character there, and that's that's just that's pure Warhammer. In fact, that's what sets Warhammer apart from from a lot of other IPs. Like, every, everyone's wrong. No one's good. No one's right.
0: Do you think uh, as daniel's pointed out the thousand suns and the prospero burns are good examples where the events are told from two different perspectives
1: i think that's it's almost too blunt actually that that example because that's like it's almost like the definitive one but it's almost like so in your face that it's almost it's almost all encompassing it's, it's difficult to take a step back from uh it, it's i more mean it in just in terms of everyone on their day-to-day existence you know your, your average imperial citizen not that there is such a thing as an average imperial citizen i mean it's 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 millions of separate cultures you know all uh pushed together by the fact that they pay taxes you know, that's that's literally it and they praise the emperor not even you know they wouldn't even agree on what the emperor really is mm. but whatever um yeah it's like just that every person in the setting has a, just a fundamental level of ignorance and it's, it's the same in age of sigma just because the, the scale of age of sigma and the pressure of these gods around you like you know throwing their points of view so to speak on you well it's interesting because in the gloom spike gets battle tome um the
0: the gloom spike gets for any of the 40k people joining us um they talk about it's a combination of armies they brought together these generic grots the moon clan gits. Uh, moon clan grots they brought together the spider guys the spider fang they brought together um they brought together a whole bunch of them and and what i love about that that one single source of truth this battle tome is that each of the tribes the the gloom spot the, the gits the yeah. uh the spiders uh the troll the trolls the troggoths they all perceive the bad moon, which is, yeah. you know, the, I guess the light. Um, they all perceive it differently. The spiders think it's a big egg. Um, you know, some people have, you know, ideas that it was uh, Gorka Morka tried to eat it. They all, literally, in the same army, they have different stories. So it just yeah. shows you that there, again, there is no one single source of truth. And I, I, and I love that that ability to interpret. And you know, hey, hey, made a really good point that you know it's those different myths from the unrelatable narrators that kind of make it fun. They bring it together and you speculate and what does this mean? And then what does it mean to my army? Um, And it gets me talking at the end. I don't want to, it's a game of Thrones effect. I don't want games of Thrones to tell me everything. And then I don't talk at the water water cooler. Mm -hmm. I want to speculate. What does this mean? How do I respond? What would we do? Why don't we do this? And I love that, that vagueness, um to allow me to enter the world as opposed to just being told the pure facts
1: yeah yeah absolutely and like i said like just giving answers would be the easiest thing in the world just saying it's this and then everyone has to write that that's easy as hell like finding all the different ways something could be true that's 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 the point of the setting you know that's the vibe
0: i want to talk about character development and i know we've we've, we've been talking about it a lot but i actually want to get into deep with the characters and you mentioned earlier about the process of getting into a baton and some of the um, some of the things that you did to research. But I guess you know, taking maybe a step back, what were what are some of the keys in your opinion? And again, you mentioned every author is different, but in your opinion, what are some of the keys to building uh, you know a compelling, interesting, believable character that I would care about? Either I care because I support them. because i hate them and i want them to die or to suffer um like how do you approach character development
1: um christ (laughs) uh okay this is one of those questions where you think wow i wish i prepared (laughs) no Um, this is this is this is is adb freestyle okay no it's uh okay okay well i've got like a few like hokey sort of phrases that I you know, think about and like who who are you on the worst day of your life that's the one I always like to think about with characters and I'm not much of a planner to be honest what I do is I'll just start writing a book and what will inevitably happen is I'll get 20,000 words into it which is about a, f- a fifth of the way through a book which is a good good few months work for me and then I'll go no I hate this and I'll start again and often that can happen more than once but long story short, I like just keep writing and grinding and trying stuff out. And when I find the characters in a situation that I like, I'm like, okay, th- this is who they are. But that comes down to who are you on the worst day of your life? What, because who you, who you are in unexceptional circumstances doesn't really matter. It's once, like, once the mask falls off, once your life's gone to hell, that's who the character is. That's interesting. Why are they like that? What circumstances brought them to be like that? Why are they a certain way when you may have expected them not to be like that? That's that's often like an absolute uh, goldmine of narrative. You know, um, the, the Stormcast example you gave just then was, was a good one because you'd think, oh, thank God, <laughs> the Sigma's sons are here. And it's like, stab. Um, if you're a yeah. wrestling fan, I always call that the Vince
0: Russo swerve where... Vince Russo, a very well-known writer in the wrestling world in the 90s, would oh, do these stupid little, like, you think it's happening, and then it's like a quick turn and, like, it catches you out. And sometimes it was really ridiculous. But sometimes <laughs> you're like, oh. And, like, you watch TV and, like, you you can predict what's going to happen. You're like, oh, and, and it happens at the end. You're like, cool, I, I could have not watched this. Yeah. But then sometimes, like, something completely unpredictable, are like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, the speculation, the ideas, the energy just
1: kind of gets brought up. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I love that on, on just on that note, actually, as like a side, uh, an antechamber to that point. Um, the notion of subverting expectations is like that's that's something that's quite let's not mention any movie names, but that's something that's quite a hot topic lately. But the thing is, one of the keys to good writing is not to give people what they want, it's to give them what they didn't realize they wanted, however. You can't just subvert expectations for the sake of shock constantly, or for the, just for the sake of subverting expectations. It has to be within a framework. It has to be within the tone of the IP you're writing in. It has to be within what what these characters that you're getting attached to would credibly do. Otherwise, this is this is something that this is like the biggest truth in writing in writing uh, prose. Um, well, in fiction and nonfiction. Confusion is the enemy. Like if your if your readers are confused, that's it. You're fucked. Um, and like I can't I can't overstate the importance of that. If you're in if you're like halfway through a scene and you're not really sure like who's there or why or why they're acting that way, or there's there's a difference between like a thread of mystery that you're starting to uncover, and then there's just the reader not really knowing like the the time space of what's going on. If a reader is confused about something, you're screwed. You need to just Highlight and delete that whole thing and start over because that's 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 narrative poison, and yeah. So subverting expectations and twists and stuff—that's you know always do that within the, the the framework of what the story you're trying to tell and the setting you're writing in.
0: And which is the whole Vince Russo thing is it got to a point where it worked once, which was really cool, but then you just do it for the sake of doing it and it loses all impact. And the minute you find out that you know ADB is writing a novel, you know there's a swerve coming, and you know, a swerve doesn't become a swerve if you know it's coming, it's predictable. And I think yeah, yeah. Uh, that then kind of ties in nicely with what Robert was saying around, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're writing, I imagine there's these points where the, the characters start writing for themselves and you've got early momentum and, you know, you're in the mindset of that character and you just... It becomes a lot easier once you've unlocked it. I imagine, you know, all the hard work you did re- researching mental illness and some of the ideas you had around it and, um, like, then start kind of like... You just get this momentum as just the creative juices or um, as uh, who... I can't remember which writer talked about it. You get in flow. You just get into a yeah. state where you just like... You just punch out all the goodness and you edit. I don't know if this is your process as well and we'll get to process soon, but, like, when I'm being very creative, I just write, 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 and then I edit later. There's no point in, like, writing a line and then, you know, seeing if it's grammatically correct because that stop-start mentality will break your flow. You just write, 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 and then you critique later and then you revise later. But just get all the juices going as you can.
1: In some ways, I'm the opposite. Um, the, the, we'll, I'll tie this back into the, the, the character question. But yeah, I'm very precise. Um, please note that I'm not saying good. I'm saying I'm precise. It's like my painting. I'm very neat. I'm not like, I, can't, I don't have like, those tricks and wet blending and stuff. I'm just super neat. And when it comes to writing, I'm not like, do it all and then edit it. My, um, my editor has a phrase where he says that my, my drafts are always really clean. And I I don't get edited very much because by the time I've reached the point of a first draft, I have written and rewritten and rewritten the whole thing sentence by sentence as I'm writing it. I've talked about it a thousand times with um, like the other guys that I know that, that I work with or with my friends. I've inevitably had six, seven, 50 pep talks with them where I'm like, this novel's running away from me. I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you help me? And they'll read it and go it's fine just keep going or they'll suggest something and i'll be like oh yeah, yeah yeah let's do that um so my writing process is drastically unprofessional at times um i get there in the end but uh yeah no sorry
0: no, to, I, to, to I, I i i no i'll challenge you and disagree that it's not that it's not professional you have a, you have an approach um yeah. i i subscribe to the approach so i think it was disney who created who created this in the in the early 1900s where disney would have in their in their corporate headquarters it had four different rooms and um, each of the rooms has has a theme so the first one was a creativity room and the whole idea of the creativity room was that you could not criticize in the creativity room you couldn't talk about like if it was possible or should we do this it was purely for ideation but then you go into a different room and that's where it might be the critiquing so you bring in a different mentality and for me when i try to get creative I find I just write all my notes. I might not write a whole novel. I might not do a whole video presentation. I'll write up a bunch of things. Then I'll take a step back to go, right, where are the gaps? What should I expand upon? What am I talk too much about? But I think what you've highlighted is that there is different approaches. There's no one single way to be an author, one single way to create a character that you find iterating. And what I love hearing from you is that you're socialising. You're getting like a stress test with, you know, People either people you trust, other writers. Um, When you've got a a block, or you're like, oh, I don't really know where I'm going. Getting a fresh set of eyes. Sometimes you can't see the forest from the trees. Going, oh, I really like that. Or why don't you try this? Or have you thought about this? Then you kind of get back on track, or you get new ideas. So sometimes socializing it gets you out of the rut.
1: No, that's 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 exactly true. That's that's exactly my process, and. (laughs) Quite, quite a lot of people's process as well
0: i'm not professional
1: says the new york best <laughs> uh, I'm
0: thing not, i'm not professional i don't get paid to write warhammer no <laughs> I, I haven't i'm not
1: what i mean to say is there is room for discipline and maturity in my current system that's what i mean <laughs> we hey, can to all back... grow and learn yeah well yeah um to get back to the the, the flow question um, yes, characters constantly write themselves. You'll find that, especially if you have a really good grounding in the story you're trying to tell, or not even if you know where it'll end up, because often I have no no idea. But if you know the setting well enough and you know how the faction functions, then it's like just telling stories on on Earth, because you know Earth, so you know you know reality so well. It's easy to write a story, you know. Um, and yeah, it's like that. Sometimes it, the characters will just go off and do X, Y, Z. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of another way that hasn't happened, to be honest. Do you find um, Do you find writing about well-known
0: characters easier or harder than writing, I wouldn't say a non-named character, but, you know, you talked about Ragnar, you talked about, you know, Magnus, or we talked about a and we talked about, you know, these really big characters, these known characters, Nagash, Archeon. Yeah. You know, is it is it easier to write? Because you wrote the Slaves to Darkness* battle tome, or you at least contributed to the lore. I wrote um, the, the four short stories. So, with that, was it, e- would, would it? Do you find it easier to write about a known character like an Archeon or would you find it easier to write about a champion in the Guard, You know, an upcoming um, house uh, lord uh, that that has a, a story to tell. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't have a lot of reputation, but then on the flip side, Archeon is so established, it's now just, I like, guess, a continuation of the story. I don't know, like, what's, what do you find easier from your experience?
1: Uh, no, that's a great question. I, I don't, to be honest, I don't think there's a difference in difficulty, just in approach. And you have to understand that I'm always approaching these famous characters, usually as cameos or. As the, uh, or even if like the, the main characters are extremely uh, close to the, like I mean a lot of the main characters in the Black Legion series are they're Abaddon's inner circle, they're the ones who know him the best, but they all know different elements of him, they're all sent around on different uh, missions and they, yeah, so it's, um, I, I try not to go into their heads. Like the Master of Mankind is another good example. Like there's nothing definitive. In that book absolutely nothing every single thing about the emperor in that book is like for for a start 95 percent of it's just old law but it's old law through the eyes of people in the presence of the emperor and they all have different agendas and different beliefs and admittedly a lot of them absolutely despise space marines and despise the primarchs because why wouldn't they the horus heresy is their fault the galaxy is on fire because of these idiots so when you yeah like I know so. it's very difficult to like, be clear about what's effectively like the fundamental principle about how you write IP work. Cause you, you, I want to be really precise. I don't want to, and I don't want to come across like I'm criticizing people who do it differently because I'm not. Um, but it's, again, it's the same thing with historical fiction. When you're write you, you're writing about the people who like you are writing about Lancelot instead of King Arthur, you know? What does Lancelot think of King Arthur? What does, you know, etc., cetera, etc.? Et what do Alexander the Great's generals think of him? What's it like to be one of them? What's it like to be in his presence? That, that interests me. I don't really care what, um, you know, like what the, what the actual, I don't care what Archaon thinks. I care what it's like to live in a, in a world where Archaon is real. Yeah. What does that, like, what does that mean? Again, like like the Malarian example I gave, you know, to you'd have so many different religions worshipping that character. Like, what does that feel like? What the hell does that? What does that do to you? Like, what is what is it? What is it like to live in Algu or, you know, just I, yeah? Those those are the like, that's the angle I come at it from. That's not always the angle. Like, you, that's not the definitive angle because a lot of people do just stay in main characters head all the time like a, a famous character and that works great but it's just not it's just not my personal preference
0: no we, we we come from a similar school of thought i remember in age of sigma one of the most important videos that were ever produced in age of sigma was Phil Kelly explaining the relationship at the mortal realms and how oh God, the yeah. different realms interacted? And it was that moment. There was a long-standing joke in, in in Age of Sigma where people were talking about like, "What about the farmers? You know, what yeah. what what are, what are the, what's the produce that the farmers grow in the different cities?" And it was a bit of a meme. It was a bit of a joke, but it was also what I related to being an old world player. I I had maps, and I, I, I knew my map. I knew where Ultdorf uh, was. I knew its relationship to Middenheim. I knew its relationship to Bretonia. I knew above me was Kislev and Chaos. I knew yeah. that Ara- Araby was here. I knew Woodells were here. And it was that grounded sense of the world that I could then tell a story. But then on the flip side, when Age of Sigmar became very high fantasy, it didn't have the groundedness that I needed, so yep. yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more, and I think uh, I love this comment. I wanted to bring it up from from uh, Leviathan again. Is Talos one, uh, Talos met Abaddon, and it was an important moment for Abaddon. It was just the Thursday, and <laughs> that's the different perspectives that yeah. you yeah. said. But it just shows you that you know we all bring different meanings and retelling a story. Um, you know, in, in Age of Sigma, you've got you know the the Age of Myth where the different gods started to fracture. And yeah. it's all told by Sigmar. But I'd love to hear what Nagash's version is. And Nagash right now is rising up going, hey, guys, you're stealing my souls. You promised souls to me. Um, S- Stormcast and, and Sigmar's like, well, no, they're my souls. We're going to reforge and, you know, beat off chaos. Mm-hmm. But then but then Nagash sees it very, very differently. And I love even revisiting these old stories from a different perspective and going, oh, yeah, you know what? Sigmar is a bit of a jerk. You know what? He is a bit of a selfish douche like yeah like nagash here is you know getting raided by corn and i think for me the character development but then on the flip side you know with a such an established character like nagash there's so much lore already told how much how many more stories can you tell or uh how much you just kind of going over old ground so i i can i can see there's awesome stuff to do with you know but then uh marathi Marathi has a new story to tell. She's just become a god. Uh, she has siphoned these souls from Slaanesh, and they're corrupted now. So it's not like the old Dark Elf Marathi. We have a new Marathi, and her story's evolving. And um, that's what I'm loving seeing from authors like yourself.
1: That's actually one of the... That's a, that's a really good point. And this is, again, again this is going to branch. Um, but AOS does that quite specifically, where... Um, Okay, let's dial it back to the basics. People say that like AOS is a story and it, it, it's not. And it, it's when I say that's wrong, I don't mean that's bad. I mean it's technically incorrect. Because it's a setting with a meta plot. And that's something that's it's it sounds like nothing and yet it's kind of everything, because it's not a story. A setting with a meta plot is what's what's happening is these are the setting defining events, right? And it's all happening, and it's, but then it trickles down to what Oslot and our characters and our generals and our armies are kind of all fighting about. And obviously, the old world was a lot more like that. And you kind of have to balance that with the fact that GW is a miniatures company, and um, people like to field L'Ariel. You know, people like to field Belisarius' core. People, you know, like to field Mortarion for example. And I'm not the kind of person who say, oh, you should never do that. That's, you know, but I I will say that like those characters have just no place on my table. I'm not interested in what they're doing in the meta plot. I'm interested in what it is like to live in the realms, why people fight in the realms, what they're fighting for, where they live, why they live there, because all of it is so you've only got so much word count. And I personally speaking, I don't care what the gods are doing particularly. Uh, so, the more word counts that's devoted to Marathi's quest for godhood, it's, an, it's it's enough for me to know that she's trying to quest for godhood. If if had enough context about the rest of the realms, I could fill in all the blanks, and that would be cool. Like I don't I don't exactly care what Malarian is specifically seething about. I just love the idea of this insane monstrous god on top of a mountain, hiding an entire realm in shadows, just just hating. And every invading army that goes into those shadows, well, they don't come back. Like that's, that's fucking awesome. Like that, that is, that's Warhammer, you know, but I I love that. I don't care about Alariel and Marathi fighting with spears and and stuff like that. That said, I have to be completely honest here. I understand my opinion is not popular. (laughs) And I also understand that, come on, those, those models are just, they're amazing. I'll give the, the, the kind that I like, uh, the example that I would prefer to write about, for example, and I would rather have in my army, is like the Eidolon of Mathlan. Because that's not Mathlan, it's, it's the echo of this dead god. And there are hundreds of them. You know, there are hundreds of these fragments of the slain god. And I love that. That is just, yes, please. I don't care I, what, necessarily what Teclis is doing. I care what an Idaneth army who is desperate enough to summon a shard of their dead God. I care what they're doing. What the hell brings you to that? Like that straight, you know, where you're going, okay, let's summon an avatar of our dead God to win this fight. You know, I love that. I'm, I'm all, I'm all over that in my games. And that's just the kind of stuff I like to read lore wise as well. I, I completely agree with you about Phil's video when he like contextualized the realms, because that was just like click, I love the setting now. It's, it's, it's when things made sense to me. And yeah. I think
0: it's those moments where uh, another one in Age of Sigmar, and I'm sure there's plenty of these examples in 40K. So um, uh, surprise, I'm talking Age of Sigmar on, on AOS Coach. Um, but, you know, there was another one there. There's an RPG that came out 12 months ago called Sawbound, uh, an Age yeah. of Sigmar RPG. And they put out a whole massive map about Axie. So it was more than just the knowing about the four cities in Akshi. There's all this stuff, and we know the Age of Chaos um, invaded, or Corn Bl- especially invaded Akshi. You know, in the in, in the Age of Myth, and but now there's all this stuff, all these ruins. I can see the relationship between Tempest Eye and and Hallow Heart and Anvilgard, and you know, in the latest Broken Realms, Marathi, when Marathi took over Anvilgard and turned it into Harkuron, I now know where Anvilgard is, and I know how far it is from Hollow Heart. And I run a Hello Heart army. So now I know that Marathi's on my doorstep. And yeah. I've now got a narrative arc that I can start playing with to go, right? I need to defend or be prepared for Marathi or break break an alliance. Mm-hmm. And I love these moments. And, and I agree with you. It's not just don't tell me, create a space for me. Soul, soul, mm-hmm. um, the soul wars. We had psychic awakening in 40k. We've currently got broken realms in Age of Sigmar. It's that then down trickle effect of what the meta or what the uh the story arcs are going to impact
1: yeah. all the various armies. And uh, again, I just want to be one hundred percent clear. I don't think it's it's not you're not having bad wrong fun if you like to have Magnus or Motarian or Alariel on your tabletop. You know, it's cool to tell like the famous battles that they might have fought in. I mean, I've written enough Primarch you know battles with Primarchs there, so I, I I get it. You know. I'm just saying as a general rule, I think that should be the spice, you know it should be the icing. If the setting is deep and entrenched enough, and obviously AOS is so new still that it you know, it's, it's doing work in that direction all the time. Um, but yeah, if the setting is deep and entrenched enough, you, you just got to trust your readers, you know you, you trust them to fill in the blanks
0: and being a Dwarden player or a dwarf player um, i agree with fisco here is i would love to see more about the caravan society and maybe maybe you could be one to help lead us to the trade merchants that are ko um and, I, and and julian i would say that um that phil's video is on youtube it's um i'll try to dig up the the, the video later but if you just type in phil kelly or mortal realms uh, it's about a five- to se- seven-minute video, a very animated video. kind of shows the, where the realms are and, you know, the relationship and you understand between light and shadow and um, those types of videos then just open up such a massive space. And I guess, you know, to, to tap into Nightlord's um, question. Wait, and, wait, 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 wait. Oh, want to go, go, no yeah, go back? Thing, right?
1: Yeah, please, do you, KO. Do you remember the first KO battle tome, like the softback one? Yeah. It was, like, quite super early you know, when, when they were still like releasing armies, like in quite small chunks, but like that battle tone was great. Like for me, that was the first great battle tone because it presented their society and I was like, I instantly, I knew what they were all about. I knew where they lived, why they lived there. Um, I I knew what they did with their daily lives. I knew about all the guilds and I just, I absolutely loved that stuff. And the, the cool thing is their rules. Like, I love how even they're like the articles and uh, that kind of thing, they're named after just like their, their ways of life. Like, uh, uh, okay, off the top of my head, like, there's that they've got that one rule there's no trading with some people. Yeah. Like, that's just that's so awesome. I absolutely love that. Yeah. So, I think KO are a great example because they've they had a lot of legwork done even quite early on. I think it was one of the first armies that you know there was a there was a hypothesis,
0: and I and much like you, I was a bit salty with the destruction of the old world in the end times, and yeah. uh, I would probably argue that you still could have done a lot of this Age of Sigma stuff in forty in in, in the old world. Um, now I, you know, and now I appreciate it a lot more, and I have a better understanding, and I can see the open space that they've created. But you know, the Carriage and Overlords introduction would have been very very hard because there's a lot of retconning in the old world. But now to have these and come from the sky because it's now the age of Sigma, not the age of chaos, and they can now start trading with people and they're there as merchants, uh, although Robert here is uh, saying that his uh, his army is being developed to deliver baked goods. Uh, I'm all down for that narrative. Uh, tell me more about what baked goods you're delivering to the mortal realms and what do I need to trade in regards to those baked goods?
1: <laughs> and I want their comedy names included as well
0: um yeah yeah i I definitely want to know uh are they delivering like french pastries uh how are they keeping it um warm and things but yeah characters characters are fascinating because i guess i guess that's the that's the arc right you know you um you grab onto a character and you follow it through the story you're following but then You got like whether it's one character or many characters, they're the ones that you fall in love with. They're the ones that uh, I go out and then convert or build on the tabletop. You know, I think of you know my favorite armies, and they're always very character-led to a point where there's a three D printing like a resin printing company where you can get little uh, name tags for bases where they just kind of wrap around uh, and can can get them.
1: Titanicus, they look awesome.
0: Like they're just awesome. And that just brings back that little bit of customization to the tabletop. Like this is the name. And you'll see that in the background, I've got named your characters in every army list. I submit, I make sure when I use my war scroll builder or my app, I make sure that I name each and every character and my characters have a name that are consistent. My free guild general on foot is always character A. My bright wizard is always this character. My hurricane is always this character. And I can continue these stories to life. So um and to a point where I've even written up little battle reports from the, the, the eyes of my characters at the end of a game. Um, so. That's cool. Anyway, That's the way to go. It's just enjoyable. Like I, like yeah, I remember, really? I remember there was a, there was a, there was a narrative event that I, I went to a couple of years ago. Uh, it was a pure narrative event. So it was like, eight, it was match play, but it was, uh, it was very narrative focused. And I was writing, like I wrote like a one page for each of the rounds or it was a two page. And, And it was, like, through the eyes of my general, whether it was a win or a loss and, you know, why the decision might have happened. And, you know, um, even CanCon just passed. Um, The the theme for CanCon was called the Jade Kingdom. So I had written up a little story about my army being a wizard uh, research party going into the Jade Kingdoms for artefacts. And I found that I, I enjoyed my games at that tournament a lot more uh, than I did without a story. So uh this is this is really interesting to me, not because I'm an aspiring black black author a uh, black library author, but I'm 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 learning how to tell better stories on the tabletop, whether it's narratively, after the game, uh to continue the conversations uh after yeah, we yeah. play, uh to bring battles from one to another. It's not just, you know, we're not just playing battle after battle,
1: but there can be a continuing story arc between those battles. Well you care more about an army if you you know to start giving them that, that level of detail I think Crusade like the, the system of Crusade for 40k is is awesome I love I love the way they've done that I really really hope they do that with AOS3 uh for the record just to make it 100 clear I have absolutely no idea that, that, what what's going to be in AOS3 if and when you know but
0: yeah but really, and
1: it, it, Crusade. everything
0: we're saying here is speculation when I've said Eldar getting updates in August is just literally we're making stuff up for example purposes we're not breaking any nda's here to tell you that yeah, uh, age of sigma is happening in july and it's going to be these two armies and uh, I have it's in the apocalypse launch
1: I, yeah i have like four separate ndas with gw so i'm very good at dodging and not actually saying why i know <laughs>
0: and and right here perfect example shitty speed paint says uh you know those characters are wounded uh, and has have escaped you know instead of your marathi, marathi dying in battle it's just hard to think uh marathi just dies you know yeah. she gets wounded she
1: runs off she's carted away to be to be healed uh as but opposed then you, to like literally dying then you to like narrative difficulties where characters because effectively they're a models company so you can't kill characters. So didn't you run into like, you know, over thirty years? How many times has like a and dueled one guy and lost, or they've both like gone away? Not because that's what would happen, but that's because kind of what has to happen. So you yeah. have to you have to be very careful with that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I'm
0: probably talking more about my heroes. So yeah, when, yeah. I, when I lose yeah. a battle, um, they don't. I mean, some of them might die. Like sometimes i i know a person that gets uh that's so invested in that they actually will throw the model away and they won't play with that model ever again because they've literally died so like good luck to you sir um but talk to me about the writing process talk to me about some of the tools that you use as a writer are you do you write with a notepad are you writing with you know microsoft word uh, i know is it is it uh is it george rr R. martin i think famously uses a computer with no internet uh, I think it might be even like a DOS-based computer so there's literally no distractions other- when he's writing. Talk to me about how do you write and what's your process and, and your tools?
1: Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely undisciplined, so this isn't the case of doing what I do. Uh, you should probably not do what I do. New, you're York,
0: New York Times bestseller writer. Yes,
1: Just, that's true. Yes. But, um, stop, stop, stop alerting yourself.
0: So tell me about
1: your tools that you use to write. Um, Are you familiar with panic? Um, I'm I'm a master of panic, uh, where, you know, you just lie awake at night, looking up at your ceiling, worrying, and then you think, oh, I've had an idea. And then you get up and you go to your office and then you, you start writing and you get about 20 minutes of good writing done. And then you think, I'm really tired. And then you go back to bed and then you start worrying again. And then you have another idea and you go back. And then about two years later, you've got a novel and it's a really healthy fun process that i recommend to everyone
0: i call that the burning platform is that if you don't do something you're going to sink like a little frog on a lily pad so you've got to keep jumping so so you you write short bursts as opposed to you sit down for countless hours to punch out a
1: book uh to be honest i do both i mean but i i sit down for those countless hours but again it's i mean i will rewrite every sentence three or four times because my brain I don't have like a healthy way of processing information and I, I'm not like belittling myself. I mean, like right now. Okay. For example, right now, um, I, I can see you and I can see like a tiny me and my brain right now is just going, Jesus, am I saying something stupid? Oh my God. Is the lighting on my camera messing up? Oh God. I hope I haven't said anything dumb so far. Oh my God. Have I pissed off Anthony? I watch all his content. I hope he's not uh, annoyed me. I hope that everyone watching is like finding this worthwhile. And my, my brain is just doing that constantly. Mm-hmm. Like constantly now i'm freshly therapized to like fight all that nonsense but my point is like that's just how my brain works and that's exactly how my brain works with this story as well like when i'm writing i will be going oh no what will, how will this sentence be taken out of context on reddit delete 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 and then i write it again and i'm like oh, "No, actually no, that doesn't flow as well as the first one and then i'll delete it again and then i'll rewrite that one again and so i'm a very very slow writer but I do actually have some in, like some useful tools apart from just like vomiting my anxieties on like onto the internet. Uh, I watch a great deal of uh, writer talks, like loads, loads of loads. Writing podcasts, like uh, the talks they give on YouTube. Uh, I, I maybe one up to one a day, like but just constantly, constantly. And they're not good for ideas, but they are good for like the occasional like flashes of insight to the process where, you know, they're not good for motivation is what I mean, but they are good for the the moments where something clicks. Like a few years ago, action scenes, like the the question you always get is how do you write action scenes? And the the answer I always give is firstly, you, you don't, you don't treat them like an action scene. It's just every scene is the same thing. Every scene is a conflict that several characters are resolving and you don't, action scenes are a really good example where people think it's one thing and it's not because like there's a fame there's a famous phrase where uh if the if the action is hot you write cold and you don't uh you, okay the, the fundamental explanation for if the action is hot you write cold is you're not trying to convince the reader of anything and lord above you're not trying to tell them what happened if you are saying this happened and this happened and this happened it's like cool, and cool is like the last thing you want pros to be, because stuff exploding and in the cinema we've all seen bad movies where something can be temporarily exhilarating on a screen, uh, just because you you know you get a physical reaction to your heart beating faster, but your brain is still like numb and you're like this is absolutely moronic, you know like cool is not is not what you're looking for. To so so basically not, Michael Bay's career, I. I don't want to cast explosions
0: and Mega Fox, and that's that's your whole career. I don't want to cast specific aspersions.
1: I'll I'll say it. (laughs) So what what you do is you you kind of dial back from that, and you you're you're just you're not layering description after description of events. What you're doing is you're conveying to the reader what happens, and then you're not, uh, and then you trust them. Because what you do is you show your character's reactions to what's happening, and you don't go, "Oh, and they were really sad about that." You know, you don't go into that level of specific because you, you, you trust them. You, you know, this happened, this was their reaction, and if the if the writing's good enough, that is, uh, the, their imagination will fill in the blocks. and then you punctuate that with uh, moments of like quite quite fierce, uh, quite fierce imagery. Um, i'm trying to think of an example off the top of stuff in my head uh actually, okay, so you, you know what the, um, the the start of soul hunter the start of soul hunter is you have talos who is a night lord who suffers from these visions and uh he's in his meditation chamber in his armor and he's just banging his head against the wall he's just smashing his head against the wall again and again and again now the 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 blunt way of describing that would be like and he was really sad he was really sad about doing this and the pain was super bad and it was you know and that's that's cool you can dress that up in good prose but it's also absolutely irrelevant he's you've got a character who is like this superhuman avatar of war smashing his head against the wall you can tell he's in pain because he's doing that you can tell he's sad because he's doing that and the reader just it it just clicks in their head anyway and then what you do is you then punctuate that with some uh like just you have to punctuate it with the right sentence and for example with talos why is he doing that that was the reason that i wanted to punctuate that scene with why is he doing that and the, the exact sentence is because it is a curse to be a god's son yeah, you've done your job then you get the fuck out of that scene you know that that is how you i think that well me personally that that's how i try and write. that's a mic that. drop. that's a mic drop.
0: he's like that's, yeah, that's,
1: that's, that's why you know that's what you're trying to convey you're not trying to tell them you're just trying to like Sometimes you get confused, uh, even talking about like what does show not tell mean? Because that means like five hundred different things. But what you're really doing is you're you're not trying to convince the reader of anything. You're saying, look, this is happening. This is how the character's react reacting to it. I trust you to get it. And and then you like hit them with some hopefully like good prose of like, you know, you punctuate it here and there. And that's what it means, like if the action is hot, write cold. Like a titan walking over you. You don't go Oh my god no you don't don't talk about characters weeping and and that kind of thing because that's not firstly it's implied that some something like a titan stepping over you implies that level of awe if you're describing it in if you're contextualizing it well enough so you don't need to be that simplistic and then secondly it's just it's also hard to uh, gravitate to characters where you're force-fed what's what they're thinking the reader has to make that. Yeah, the reader has to latch on to what you, you tell them why they might be, you know, what's in their thoughts and why they might be thinking it. But you don't go. They were literally think. There's a great line in Futurama where the, the the robot devil says to Fry, "You can't just have your characters announcing their feelings. That makes me feel angry." You know, it's like that's like the perfect example of like shit writing. Like you you can't just, you know, that that's like that's how you that's what I mean when I say. Uh, if the action is hot, you write cold. You get detached from you detach yourself from it. You go, this is a fascinating situation. I'm going to trust you to get why it's fascinating, and I'll layer in these little punchy hints. And that's yeah, that's, that's how I write basically. That's how I try Speaking anyway.
0: Speaking of character development, not the the greatest character ever to be on television is the dog from Futurama. In that episode where the dog sits outside the pizza shop for mm-hmm. such a long time waiting for its master, I don't care. The dog never said a word, yet I felt everything that dog was feeling as it waited for Fry. So, yeah. uh, and and obviously, my one of my favourite moments as well is the uh, is it uh, Gary Gygax uh rolling the dice going i am and then rolls a d20 pleased yeah, yeah. to meet you like i'd <laughs> in stitches uh but a couple of really good comments that i wanted to call out was um and i have a question from jenny that uh jenny's been patiently waiting i thought was a really good point point. and leviathan has posted this question three times so i will get to him <laughs> he's been like constantly like very very keen on this answer uh so the uh the battle of uh cal- clay cal uh was so awesome for the destruction that happened battle oh yeah of- and-
1: yeah no no fear that's like dan's best ever battle hands down that's the best ever and it's so clinical you know he wrote that cold that's a great example of what i mean aaron so uh, the forge of mars was saying that uh your writing teared him up
0: in the, the middle of a supermarket while listening to an audiobook. at first I, I read that as tearing up i'm like oh gosh you got him so angry he just ripped down the shelves and the old pringles of spill everywhere and sodas all over the floor uh, but Jenny had a really good question. I, I do. I, I did want to call you out on this question. And you mentioned that, you know, um, you'd listen to some videos, uh, at least one a day. Do you have any recommendations on good talks that you go back to or maybe particular people or particular uh, places where you, you were finding the uh, most
1: value or at least things that you're currently listening to? Yes, um, Skillshare. I know it's, like, behind a paywall, though, but, um, like, Skillshare is the best, like, the best money I think I've spent in terms of, Having stuff to listen to while I'm doing chores, like all the time, like, it's just such a. Well, like, I go, I have to go for a walk a lot to just think. I need an idea. I need to get out of my office. You know, so uh, yeah, Skillshare is. It has so many good talks from writers. That doesn't necessarily mean that every like hour-long talk is wall-to-wall genius, but I do mean like in in that hour, I will find one or two things that just make me go, yes, that, that's perfect. So, it's those one yeah. percenters that make the difference. It just takes that one
0: idea, that one thing. You're like, I can work with that. I can, yeah. I can use that to, to get over a, a blocker. Uh, so Skillshare is
1: one that you're you're finding value in. Yeah, there's so many so many talks on there, and um, it's it's quite expensive, uh, depending on your budget. But it's it's I found it infinitely worth it. Yeah. The investing in time. I always find that
0: you know when I need to get like a creative spark i actually go to different industries or different topics altogether i'll go to someone else and like i know when i was researching even my youtube channel i i didn't watch a lot of other content creators from warhammer i yeah. watch beauty bloggers i watch twitches i watch people that go right this is what you're doing how does that relate to me what's the lesson in here yeah, yeah exactly. and it sparks an idea that that you can do. So I find also like, I think this kind of goes back to your point about not being a 40 K player is that if you immersed yourself in chefs, any, any professional chef will know this, they don't go home and cook. Like cooking at home is the last thing a professional chef wants to do because they, they're cooking all day. Um, they're the worst. So having that kind of relaxation home or that, you know, um, that, that holiday house, yeah. play out, you play Age Sigmar, you you right, 40 K.
1: And I think I having. Mean, that's definitely part of it. Uh, But the other part is that just most of my friends prefer
0: AOS. (laughs) That's on record, guys. Record. And Night Lord Leviathan has been busting my chops to ask this question. They've said, a friend of mine told us to write the story I wanted to write when I told him that I wasn't uh, sure of the other people's opinion. Uh, It echoed to me as important point. Um, Have you always loved your stories?
1: (laughs) That's an excellent question that has like a two-part answer. Um. No, but that's because I hate my own work, and I don't mean that in like this weirdly false modest way. It's just like imagine you wrote like a love letter to a girl, right, in high school, and then it was read out in assembly. Like that's how that's how I, I've listened to like maybe twenty seconds of like one of my audiobooks and I was just like off, 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 off. You know, because it was just the, the the feeling is indescribably horrible. And, again, this is probably something I should bring up with my therapist. I'm I'm sure I will when I get down the line. But, yeah, so I don't like my own work. However, I do write the kind of stories I like to read. Like, again, this ties into what I was saying about historical fiction and and how I approach characterization. Um, So, yes, but also no. Yeah no that's that's fair and and
0: I hate listening to my voice so editing is the most painful part of my creative okay. process because I hate I hate my voice and I'm like oh do I really sound like that and luckily for me, when I was uh, a young adult, I one of my first jobs was uh, I was a radio DJ. So I would, uh, I would, I would be the the guy from your drive home from six till nine. I would, oh, yeah. uh, I, would I, I would do that. I'd play all the, the songs, and I would you know talk between the breaks and all that. That you hear yeah. your voice constantly, and you just it, it, it drives you insane. So you're like, oh, people listen to me? Why? Yeah. Um, but you're right. Like you know, right. Uh, or create the things that you would like to create and the people people like people people like people who are like themselves and and mm-hmm. if people like if people like what I write they they're my type of tribe yeah so yeah. I, think, I think that's that's a really good way to, to approach and things
1: actually there's kind of a third branch to that question as well because again that's it comes down to what we were saying earlier about choosing um what you're choosing to write about because I don't necessarily choose to write about my favorite stuff, um, and I know Chris writes the same. Like he just writes about stuff that he's interested in at that time. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, write write what you love, but be aware that that's not always the 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 only way. And also that if you know you might be one of those writers who wants your publisher to be saying, "Hey, could you do something like this, please?" So you, you talked about a little. You, you haven't quite answered my original question, which was
0: about what tools you use. So you mentioned that you use things like Skillshare and uh, mm. like Writers Block uh, and things like that. But what other what other tools do you use? I um, I know when I was writing a book, so I was I was writing a book at one point. Um, I would use things like my phone dictations that I had an oh, idea. It. No, 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 no. That's obviously a very interpretive question. Um, so I know like I'd use my phone to dictate or I'd use my phone, even as a content creator, I will, if I've got an idea, I would even just like to, to put a bullet point in my notes section. and I might expand upon it later or I might come to the idea in 12 months or 24 months. I just create like a log. Um, I know some writers will have like a little book next to them. So when they're, uh, when they go to bed, so if they have an idea, you know, in their sleep, they'll write it down as quick as possible because they usually will forget it. But talk to me about that that part of your your creativity
1: do you do you do that do you use uh, yeah. like... um my memory is yeah. terrible i mean i do mean like almost clinically terrible like i could tell you phoenix sun stats from the 90s and i could tell you anything about warhammer but you, you know you asked me what happened two days ago in my family i'd be like mm, and it's, you know, so when it comes to making notes, yeah, I'm, I'm a, like quite an intensive note taker. The problem is, however, my notes are, I store my iPad under my pillow when I sleep, which is, I think that's dangerous because they explode or something. But anyway, I can just like, literally them. under your pillow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, does it does not bend? Like, my head doesn't weigh that much, man. It's just, <laughs> or i got a big head. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I get that out like quickly and I've got, I've got my notes app on that. The problem is like, you don't always understand what the hell you were talking about the next day. And I get that so much where I think I've had some genius idea and I'm like, yes, I've solved, I've solved this problem with whatever the hell I'm writing. And i will sit down I'll get my iPad out and i will be like, what is this nonsense gibberish?" And it's, it's so frustrating. I've, I've forgotten some of the best ideas I've ever had, I'm sure of it. But yes. Take, right, take, take notes. Because um, well, mine specifically are almost always notes about something that would make a, a scene more believable, or credible, or relatable, like something that a character thinks or does in a scene that you know would realistically happen, or they solve a narrative like hole that I've fallen into. So my notes are always like super important, and I forget so so many of them, so many of them. Do you, uh, cause I know I'll do things,
0: especially like I'll take my dog for a walk or, or I'm really fortunate to live near, you know, a national park. So I've got some really nice walks around me. Uh, and sometimes I'll go for a long walk and, you know, get the ideas brewing or even like, uh, you know, in the shower, some of your greatest ideas come from the shower. You get those little light bulb moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll And I'll dictate to myself, I'll get like a little audio recorder and I'll talk to myself and write down notes as well. Do you find tools like that are helpful?
1: Uh, yes, but I have to be careful because although we live in the middle of nowhere uh, um, when, whenever I go for a walk and I'm talking to myself or I'm singing to myself like, there's always some fucking farmer nearby who will like hear me singing dwarf songs from Lord of the Rings. I'm like, oh god this is so embarrassing. Or he'll hear me like talking about and then the Warmaster of Chaos should do XYZ into my phone you know, and think you must think I'm absolutely insane or or Christ knows what yeah, so i, I yeah I, I make dictation notes as well, and yeah to, to be honest my process is really simple i I tried to get into scrivener at one point because so many of my friends swore by it, and I understand that like every professional uses scrivener, but like word's quite good now, Microsoft Word is like it's quite good. it's not like it was you know 10 15 years ago. it's like quite a good program, so it does it does what I need it to do.
0: The, although, to be fair, we did lose Paperclip, and Paperclip uh, Clippy was uh, pretty amazing back in the day. But I know, even because um, I know, again, being a corporate shill that I am. Um, I go through almost all this, like, productivity training and understanding and all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And I know for me, one of the big things has always been um, an interruption, for example. Um, it can take you up to 27 minutes to get back into flow or get back into a rhythm that you were in before a distraction. Yep. So, you know, turning things off, like, my notifications, my, my email, for example, Outlook, doesn't give me a notification to tell me when I have a new email. I even slow down the refreshment of my emails to be every 20 minutes, so I'm constantly not being distracted by quickly looking at Facebook to see what new notifications or Twitter or you know like being in that zone and being in there as long as possible um
1: very healthy the the problem is my eight-year-old son is on Discord now so he's constantly messaging me about whatever he's doing in Minecraft or or whatever and I get one of the problems you know when you've got young kids is you just have to in a perfect world it would be wondrous to be isolated perfectly but you just have to I, my main fear like is you know he'll grow up and he'll be like my dad just had no time for me he was always writing about fucking space war you no know? <laughs> sorry i'm
0: laughing at laura's comment she's like um uh, are you more concerned the farmers will steal your ideas i'm pretty sure one of the farmers around you might be contributing to spiky bits or uh lady atia so uh that might also be why you don't like speaking out aloud
1: I don't think they're big Warhammer guys, but I'll be sure to ask them next time, like when they're shearing their sheep. Hello, are you guys into Warhammer? And I'd be like, what is who are you, you English cunt? <laughs> I did say you could swear, and I just said
0: the first not five, ten minutes, and uh, I'm Beep. sure you advertisers wouldn't have noticed the the C word. I apologize. No, that's fine. Okay, Australia's every second word is c. Like the amount of, I'm surprised it's taken me three years on this channel. I think that's the first c word that's been dropped. Oh no, what a terrible. <laughs> no, it's fine. As an Australian, like that means that we're good mates. Um, <laughs> so that's all good. Like it, it, we're in the good books. Um, maybe a couple more questions, just quickly around um, around the writing process. So you mentioned being a family man, and uh, you have some children, especially right now, which is obviously. You got your kids in your household more than uh, more than they normally would. How do you balance the, the? I guess like how do you balance your commitments at work? You know, getting that that uh, at least for me, I need concentration. I need quiet. I need you know to, to be not broken in concentration. How do you balance your your work and life commitments right now as an author? Now that your kids are probably at home more than they normally would, um, no. any advice?
1: Um, get married. <laughs> um, the best. I mean, the thing is like Kathy does a lot of heavy lifting in uh, where that's concerned because she she's already got her own stuff that she's got to do, and then she's mo- she's mostly doing she's homeschooling the kids while uh, while COVID's going on and yeah, so she does a lot of the heavy lifting there because she understands that obviously I need to be isolated for 15 hours a day, you know, do it, writing about space war. Um, but even then like shakes is always on discord like hey daddy do you want to come in and see me do just dance it's like I kind of do but I also need to you know uh, write my siege of terror novel etc so yeah uh, I don't, I don't have a good I don't have a good balance there to be honest I, I'm not very good at advice on that score apart from get married and have an extremely patient wife like I do or uh, night lords have said don't have kids so uh, I think I
0: think, I think- that's another option. I think the fact that you've already got them, so uh, do the best. And I think, like, right now it's, it's awesome that we're able to spend more time with our kids. It's like, you know, no time in history have we had this flexibility. So take sure, advantage, yeah. but then there's also the how do you balance it and um, it's certainly a challenge, um, you know, shout out to those people who are also playing teacher and um, just all that yeah. stuff. Um, guys are doing the crazy stuff. At what point do themes start coming into your stories? Do you, you know, obviously we start building characters, but what about like story themes? Are they do they kind of emerge as you're writing? Or is that something you're like at the at the, the planning phase? I know I know when I write about these two characters and I want these milestones to happen in the book, or I want this outcome to occur. Like how does how does themes and how does that kind of happen between
1: your books? that's a really really good and difficult question um, quite early on I think but inevitably you'll start to find the others showing up that you obviously didn't, you don't necessarily expect and then you're like oh that's how you uh, how you, yeah, you you've end up defining whole arcs by a theme you discovered later on but but quite early to be honest um, like Spear of the Emperor, like the, the, the conceit between, uh, behind Spear of the Emperor was the theme is what is it like to be a human around space Marines? And obviously this is a chapter surf. Uh, so that's a very privileged position, obviously that comes with its own, you know, lifestyle, let's say. Um, and she's a mentor legion surf. So obviously they have extremely tooled up and rare chapter surf so she's in a very different position from your baseline human but she's still human so my point was the theme of that book is what is it like to be around space beings like what does it feel like how do they act you know what is it like to be around these angelic but also barbaric effectively like transhuman monsters like post-human monsters and I just, I just loved that idea. I thought that was just such a good idea for, for, a novel. So that was like the central theme of that book. And then the one that came over, uh, that came while I was writing it. Uh, and this, honestly, this came from talking to a lot of veterans, and uh, it was just, it resonated with me really hard as I was writing it. Uh, like identity, like a soldier's identity. Uh, without spoilers, at some point uh, in the book, you have the, the, the main character, the space marine main character, uh, looking at himself in the mirror. And he's trying to for various reasons that i won't go into he's having a, a crisis of identity um the the short unspoiled version is that he's learned how uh, learned about the hypocrisy in the inquisition and how they are not respecting the autonomy of the adeptus Astartes, and how his own chapter might have uh, deceived him and worked with the inquisition and he's trying to process that like if you are a weapon if you have been psycho indoctrinated and hypno indoctrinated and trained from childhood to be a weapon, and you've been a weapon for like a hundred years of your life, what happens like when the hand that wields you, you, you can't trust that hand anymore? Like, what does that do to you? Like, what does that do to your identity? And then also like, because of his uh, various points in the story, because of his injuries, again, this comes back to the looking himself in the mirror. It's like the face he has presented to the galaxy is his faceplate, his helmet's faceplate. So that's the face that he interacts with the Imperium with. That's the face that he interacts with his enemies with. That's the face that, that's, is that him? Mm-hmm. Or then when he's looking in the mirror with, oh, so is he his faceplate or is he his face? Because he's more familiar with his faceplate. And that, that, that's the kind of, in, uh, like, so, you know, that's the kind of thing the soldiers have to ask themselves if they've if they've been deployed for, you know, for, it's the kind of question of Vietnam veterans who go back for a second tour. Like that's what they ask themselves, you know? And that's, that's, I think that's the key to characterization as as well as themes, you know, because they're they're people. Every character is a person, even like space Marines who have been through all of this stuff to iron out their humanity. The, the process isn't perfect. If the process was perfect, they would never fall to chaos. They would never be tempted to fall to chaos. They would, they would be the perfect weapons, but they're not. The process is imperfect because it's Warhammer. Nothing is perfect in Warhammer so yeah like that's that's the the kind of i think it's probably the best example of a i mean and the the black legion series as well has has that in spades the whole point of that is when everyone in the galaxy hates you and you hate them who can you trust you know and that's that's why the black legions formed it's because they're, they're, they're the primarch fathers let them down and failed miserably then all the other traitor legions are like wailing on them because the sons of horus were the biggest failures and so like the dregs and the outcasts from all the other legions, uh, the, the 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 really ruthlessly competent ones who would managed to survive all the other purges, band together, and that's it. You you make your own brotherhood. It's like the idea of a found family. Like that's mm-hmm. that, that's why the Black Legion exists. And the point of the stat series is to convey why, like this, the ties between the characters in that legion.
0: I think if I if I think about like my my stormcast my sigmar equivalent you know it's, it's story that I'm really fascinated to to learn is you know for anyone who who knows stormcast lore um every time a stormcast eternal dies their their soul is reforged yeah. but every time that they are reforged they lose more and more of themselves and i guess they become more i guess almost probably Space Marine or maybe even worse than a Space Marine. And I wonder, you know, will there be a uh, a chapter, a team, some type of Stormcast army that's been reforged so much because they've been in so many wars that they are literally like a killing robot or they probably are on the fence of like Inquisition or even chaos and they are like they just got no personality and, you know, are they doing the right things still? And I think it's that inner conflict or that, Uh, morally conflicting stories that make those characters three-dimensional as opposed to just being these one-dimensional characters that are just predictable and um, they have no opportunity to surprise and delight.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Stormcast were a really good example, actually, because I think I might be in Hammerhall. I'm not sure. But in one of the the cities, or is it a living city? Whatever. In one of the cities, you have, like, Stormcast that are starting to treat criminals hmm. like chaos you know it's like because they're, they're they've been reforged so many times and they're so ardent about order and they're so ardent about you know law and so they're starting to, you know they're starting to just treat criminals as if they were uh you know like chaos worshipers and i just i love that because not necessarily just because that action uh, is interesting, although that is interesting on its own. But then, what do you have like the other people in those chambers, like the other stormcast in those chambers? What if you see one of your friends going that way? You know, someone who you fought at their side for decades, and they're like, you can trust them implicitly, and now you kind of can't because they're going off the rails. And then, what what, what are they thinking as they're going off the rails? Like, and they're like, well, you you know, they think you'd be going soft because you're not, uh, you're not seeing as pure and as clearly as they are like that kind of conflict, that's just, that's gold. Yeah, even even like in the cities of Sigma, like
0: some people don't see the Stormcast as the savior, like the average human, they just think like this, like the glory hogs, they're like, you know, they they come to save the day, we don't need them. So they're actually, they're seen as a a protagonist rather than the savior. and this question from Matt was a really interesting one because it kind of, it, not just what Matt said here, but I, I did read it in your AMA as well. And I know people have asked about revisiting stories. And uh-huh. uh, I know, you you know, very successful with the, the Night Lord series. Uh, obviously, Horus Heresy is kind of cooling down a little bit. Um, are you sad that these kind of stories come to an end? I know with the Horus Heresy, you, you were kind of a bit hesitant to go back into a story that you've kind of already told. Um, yeah. Is there any other stories you think, you know, um, in some of these series, and it doesn't necessarily have to be her- heresy, but, you know, like with, with heresy, for example, or even any of the stories, like how do you see going back into stories or, you know, revisiting to tell new stories or
1: how do you feel uh, about that? The heresy is a, uh, a difficult thing in, in a way because <clears throat> uh, in some ways what I think, I mean, is is completely irrelevant because, it it makes so much money that um, I mean I, to me, I don't know what will happen with the heresy when once the siege of terror series is finished, uh, and even if I did I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to say, but there's so it's 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 like uh, it's, it's you know it's 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 the heresy it's the freaking Horus heresy so I'm 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 sure that there's always going to be interest in it in one way or another however. A couple of us have always argued for a shorter heresy series rather than a longer one um, and a shorter Siege series rather than a longer one. I mean, even eight books, uh, me and another author who I won't say, we were like, it should be five. It should be five books. And uh, yeah, so I've, al- I've always advocated shorter, punchier to the focus on the, the, the core bits. So the heresy the heresy is strange. I, I There's always going to be stories to tell there. But my point... Okay, my overarching point is I think there's a tendency at times for people to just only read the heresy or only like the heresy. And I find that kind of sad, in a way. It's like liking Star Wars, but only liking the Republic era. You know, it's like that's... It's cool. It's great. Or it's like liking ancient history and not liking the Roman Empire, but only liking the Battle of Troy.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know it's like the 40k is so insane and just the way the way the Imperium functions is so absolutely it's just so impossibly vast and archaic and and, you know just it's so it's so mad and it's so beautiful and I think it's a shame when some people are like oh yeah no it's just it's just smaller everything is bigger and cooler in the heresy it's like the decay is the point the decadence the decay the erosion, the rot—that's that's rad. That is cool as hell. Like that's why that's why forty k is cool. And so when I mean, people are just like oh I just like I like the heresy because all the primarchs were around and, and blah blah blah. So it's like they they are great. They're awesome. But I want I want forty k to get the kind of love and respect that the heresy just gets just by existing. Like, mm. The heresy it gets it gets a lot of easy love, and I I think that's I think that's kind of unfair.
0: I think that, that interests me as well because uh i guess sigma is about to get their own version of heresy so we're going back to the old world um you know in the next couple of years so i you know and, and we're going to tell new stories i think people are, are not going to get warhammer fantasy battles 8th edition that five minutes till midnight uh, you know, time of, you know, Carl Franz and, and things like that, we're going to go back potentially up to the timeline of the Great War Against Chaos. Yeah. So it's new stories, new characters, new lands, new provinces, new uh, stories. Um, and for me, I think the lessons from heresy are going to be brought into the old world. So it's fascinating to hear um, this take and and just some of these things, because you're right, like, it, it, you know, even the old world gets easy love people just like yeah, you know, anything yeah. in the old world is like oh my god it's the best thing since sliced bread mm. um and it's almost like i i know in my conversations i've been trying to curb enthusiasm to go guys we don't know what's coming just yeah. like it's not re-releasing eighth edition it's not the timeline that you know and um not letting expectations ruin what's about to happen or what should happen yeah be there and be a part of the journey and the story uh, question from uh, Chris as well was, uh, do you think with short fiction, uh, do you think it helps uh, you to learn uh, to control your writing for larger projects?
1: <laughs> no, no. Um, shorter fiction is the place where you can do crazy stuff. Uh, it hasn't it hasn't given me any discipline or, or self-control at all. Uh, no, it's just a great place to do that kind of esoteric stuff that you might not get away with in a novel um yeah so no (laughs) no what's it like
0: writing with a couple of authors because i imagine um because in some of your some of your books it's not just been you it's been you know a dual book or you've written you know with multiple writers what's it like writing with i guess multiple authors is it confusing is it challenging because you're all conflicting with ideas do you need to find like a central point that you're all kind of working you're on the same page like how does that How's that kind of for
1: you? Is that um, is it easy to manage? Yeah. I haven't really I haven't done it with novels exactly. Uh, although there's an asterisk there, but we'll get back to. Uh, when you do that with RPG books, it's 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 kind of easy to be honest because they're divided up into chapters. So it's like you do this chapter, you do that chapter, you do that chapter, and you you guys, you talk as you're doing it. But the chapters are almost completely distinct. Like someone's doing rules, so that doesn't affect you doing the backstory of this faction, and then the person doing the uh, the current society of the faction doesn't really that you know, affect. So it's it's quite divided up on RPG stuff. Uh, in terms of novels, when you're working on a big team, who uh, it's we talk about how we're all friends on on the Horus Heresy team, and we are. But there have been there there there, there of course there have been moments where everyone's or where you know someone's like feels like they didn't get X. You know when they felt like they wanted it or you've had to surrender why or someone's done something in a book um, and you were like, I was going to do that. You know, like that, of course, of course that happens, but uh, experience and getting on with the people you work with goes, goes a very long way. Like the siege team. I, I know they've all said it long, like before me, but it's, it's, it remains true that the siege of terror team is so like there is in terms of like the way we talk to each other, there is no, fat left on on that body like we just everyone's there and we're we're focused and we, we talk about we're, we're completely open with each other no there's no ego at that table there's no feelings no one's feelings are going to get hurt we, we bend over backwards for each other you know if someone wants something it's not like well i kind of want it it's like yeah do it and this is how i will set it up for you to do it you know uh and that's happening right like right now um, and I can't, obviously can't give specifics on what, what I'm writing, but there's a lot of, okay, this just happened in your book and I'll, I'll carry that on, or can you set it up in, you know, for me to carry on, et cetera, et cetera.
0: And I guess that kind of comes into, like, the question that um, Leviathan also asked was around, you know, it's it's more than just managing a project. It's writing styles. It's, you know, setting up the, the you know, the way that you even see the world. So, I guess, uh, like any good university group project, you all need to be on the same page. You need to divide the work. The planning process is probably more important than oh, probably yeah. ever before. Uh, otherwise, it just leads up to disappointment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've been really good at, I say really good, you know, history will judge us on that, but we've been uh, really open with each other. On, on on every possible level, um, so it's, it's in terms of communication it, we are as open as we could possibly be, which narrows down a lot of the problems. Like that, just soars off any ego trouble, and, and ego trouble is like a huge thing. You know, every writer is an insecure asshole looking for vindication, looking for validation, and often vindication. So you know, just. Uh, eliminating that from the table is is, is a huge deal. Like, you can't over-exaggerate. You, you can't exaggerate how important that is. But when it comes to writing styles, like having different styles is kind of the point. As long as you're all telling the same vibe, again, it's like 40K, it's, it's, a, it's a feeling, you know? As long as you're all telling the same feeling. Um, like Mortis, uh, I think Mortis is coming out next. Um, John's prose in Mortis is is completely different from uh, Chris Wright's and from guys and gabs and dan's and mine but it doesn't matter because we're all telling the same you know r- roughly the same vibe it's a feature not a bug that's what i'm trying to say
0: yeah no i agree i agree you're all singing from the same hymn sheet you know it doesn't have to mean that you all sing in the same um tone but yeah, yeah. you're all on the same page and i guess much like a song with the various tones you've got a wonderful melody uh that comes out but uh, I'm going to start moving towards our final questions. I know it's starting to get a little bit late for you. And I'd like just some recommendations and some maybe some, uh, if I was aspiring to be a published author, whether it was with Black Library, whether it was be uh, my my favourite uh, RPG company or, you know, any type of, you know, turning writing as a legit profession. Uh, mm-hmm. Before I get into those last final questions, uh, Matt was asking from a lighter note, has, uh, has The Witcher Henry uh, Cavell reached out, uh, Cavill, uh, has he reached out and, uh, after the shout out that you, uh, gave in the interview? So I know Midwinter Minties, Minties, Midwinter Minis tried to get like a charity game. I don't know if that's ever gotten anywhere, but has he reached out okay. to you?
1: Now, okay, when that, okay, when that broke out, right, I was dead silent for days. I stayed off social media because it was, I was getting hammered with it, right? And I, yeah, I was in a men- I was in a place mentally speaking where I wasn't doing wonderfully, right? So my all I could see was that it was probably a typo, and like maybe they meant Dan or you know Chris or something, or like because the, the interviewer probably wasn't familiar with 40k, so it, it might not have been me. And then after a few weeks, I was like, you know what? Maybe they, maybe he does like my work. Maybe that maybe it wasn't a typo and uh, but I still didn't want to say anything publicly and I still haven't like this it's like 2 years later or something or a year and I still haven't said anything but after weeks and weeks what I did is this is so pure cringe but I was like taking it as a step towards like you know what just grow up Aaron just grow up reach out so I messaged him on Instagram right and it was the the one it was my first Instagram message I've ever sent I was like hey uh caught the mention in you know that is doing social media rounds lately. Uh, if you ever want to throw some dice in the Orium, you, you're totally welcome. Uh, thanks for saying that. It came at a really cool. Uh, it came at a really cool moment. I was like, not in a great place, and that, that cheered me up. Thanks very much, Sincerely Aaron. And then the problem is, it's Henry Cavill. So he gets sixteen bajillion messages every hour. I mean, I I, I am like I'm no one. I am like a list celebrity, and I get I get dozens and dozens of messages a day, just in my inboxes, not in not counting the actual social media stuff. And I there's there are so many that are people that you're not you know you're not friends with or you know linked with or whatever that you just they they blur, and you don't you don't see plenty of them. And that's me. Now, so his inbox would just be just hammer fucked with with contacts. So. He either never saw it, which is perfectly likely, uh, or he saw it and was like, no, it was a typo. I love Dan, actually. so And then just didn't want to hurt my feelings. So, no. It's the, it's the I will say there's
0: a third third possibility and probably the more likely story is that uh a lot of again i know this from my corporate my corporate musing uh and working with like ceos and cfos is they often have someone multiple people working their social media so while they might be the one who tweets they probably have a a social media manager responding to remove that noise from their handles and maybe only recommend the two to three or the ones that actually should respond so uh maybe it was intercepted by a social media manager
1: Um, let's cushion my bruised ego with that
0: no no like it's legit like it's legit and uh and i've worked with salespeople to get around those eas and pas to get in front of their ceo or cfo or cio so uh, i know it's legitimate and if i if i was big time like you know like henry I would have someone managing because you're right. Like I would just get smashed constantly by uh, so anyone that can like remove the noise, remove the dick pics, all that weird stuff that would get smashed at all the different social media channels. Um, I would certainly pay good money to remove that. Absolutely. That's not an invitation, guys, for dick pics. Please don't send me anything. I've had a, I've had a few of those, let me tell you. <laughs> I yeah. have not. Well, I well, have well. not. I've had some interesting requests when people tell me that their wives love me. Uh, but there's no <laughs> some, some conversations i have after that but no no reflections to the penis please don't please don't um <laughs> uh, i'll forward you all
1: the ones i've got
0: <laughs> my friend my friend sends enough of the the meme guy i don't know his name the, 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 the uh, there's some meme guy that's like anyway let's put it's back on track um if i was aspiring black rider uh, black, black library author or uh, you know someone who's aspiring to be a writer uh, and being mm-hmm. prof- as my primary profession do you have any advice uh that you would recommend to me on on getting that break uh making it a profession um anything that either helped you um, or even help people that have now joined the black library team um uh, you know, recently or, you know, uh, some things that you have some, maybe some common themes that have worked on, on the acceptance criteria and I guess any, any advice?
1: Yeah. Um, Oh, actually, hang on. I, I, I prepared, I, 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 uh, because
0: I I guess imagine the way that you got into black library, that, that path is probably a lot harder, uh, now than it was 10 years ago. Uh, I guess that, I guess like people who learn the lesson, like oh well, Aaron, Aaron just got an email and he got an he got an interview, might not be the way. Yeah. Not promoting as well. Like, please don't harass people on on Aaron to get an introduction, because uh, again, <laughs> that, like that's not what we're asking. Like, there's now a formal process, so let's help people get that 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 uh the best opportunity. And before you respond, uh only fans win. I wouldn't inflict that on the world. Good no. luck. <laughs> although, although i have threatened at times uh beard uh i was gonna do like thundered down under battle time reviews so like i'll do like only fan naked battle tome reviews i'm sure there's a a very small niche market where people want that <laughs> sold <laughs> sold <laughs> so please continue like give now let's bring us back on track what's the advice that you'd give me as a pro- uh, aspiring author
1: i just remembered you know this probably wouldn't would have been much more useful to have remembered three hours ago but i i messaged uh two of the editors yesterday i messaged uh kate and hannah who i talked to a fair bit i was like oh i'm doing like my first interview in a in years tomorrow um and i'm sure like the how do you get published for black library questions will come up and i said what would you like authors to say i was like i'll put I'll, you know I'll, I'll say all my stuff but what, what would you like authors to say if you had the chance and they you know sent me back some stuff so right yes <clears throat> um is this, yeah okay right uh, what what would you recommend people doing to become a black library author now we're gonna get into my bedtime story voice read beyond black library classics oh sorry read beyond black library classics contemporary and nonfiction it's all useful and good inspiration study narrative craft write every day Find like-minded people who can give you constructive criticism, and likewise, you'll learn so much from reading and doing the same to their work. That is, it, that's that's brilliant because I, I get I get so much traction from sending my stuff to uh, to my friends and other authors that I work with, um, because they have like no, they, they will not be gentle if, if something's not working. Um, and I'm not, I'm not particularly gentle with them. Like we had this long, like long conversation with John, for example, when he was writing Praetorian of Dawn and he was like, you know, we were talking about the ending and I was like, you should kill altharius He was like, mm, I said, no, no, you should kill altharius kill him. And then, you know, that, that was, that ended up being the climax of the book and like that kind of thing. I I've had equally, um, I've had worse, worse narrative holes. Like they're, they're not like major moments for me. They're just points where the book just grinds to a halt narratively. And I'm like, Chris, you know, Nick, John, someone help me. Or far more commonly, I'll send chapters one and two to my friends and say, is this trash? Like if, if, if is the shit, should I start over? And they'll be like, this is good, but like lose this or it's fine. You're worrying about nothing. Like you, you, you cannot uh, get a better tool than an honest group of alpha slash beta readers. Um, <clears throat> here's another question. Okay. Uh, how would you recommend taking on characters who aren't human, but making them relatable What a deep question? Uh, uh, this is a really cool and complex question, which probably has a million different answers. And it's something we talk about a lot internally. I think it boils down to considering the ins and outs of the faction, society, and culture. And in doing so, trying not to project our own real-world ideals and norms onto that. But in saying that, there are relatable experiences that transcend race. Uh, Survival, kinship, betrayal, love, whether it be for another person, a twisted love for the dark gods you worship, or even the way your green little heart races at the sight of that shiny red death killer war truck. So, I mean, we touched on that a lot earlier, about how Mm. people are people, you know. How do I get my submission to Black Library uh, accepted? Uh, Practice. Don't just write for the open submissions window. Write all year, then rewrite those stories, then rewrite them again. Even if the pitch, this is the crucial part, okay? Even if the pitch isn't always what we're after, if the writing sample impresses us, we're more than likely to approach the author. So I, I see a tremendous amount of anxiety online when it comes to the open submissions window. Where people are like well what if my stories you know what, what if they don't like this story you know have i blown my chance so no uh, you, you you haven't if you if your writing's good you'll always you'll always get noticed uh and the last one is what are some of the common fit pitfalls that would be authors who want to write within someone else's ip like warhammer fall into uh trying to reinvent the wheel from the offset or wanting to tackle iconic big scale events or characters, which is awesome to see their passion for the setting. Uh, But when we choose to explore those highly popular big ticket items, we're very mindful about pairing them with an author who has the right experience and creative flair to suit them. And again, that ties into, like, sometimes they will approach you for something they specifically want. Uh, Or or, if you're pitching, they'll be like, yeah, you could, you could pull this off. We trust you off you go. So yeah, I think that, that kind of covers the that definitely covers the ones I always get on Twitter, you know, about the the, the submissions window. It's
0: interesting you say that because uh, first off, thank you for showing that because I imagine there's a lot of people uh, who who have at least submitted or wanted to submit in that Black Library uh, deadline, and either they haven't been confident enough to submit, um, or they uh, they have been submitted before and they've got that that rejection and rejection is probably a lot of the the authoring process is ideas that you think are wonderful aren't always necessarily great and the peer reviews i'm a part of a few think uh, think tanks you know just you know subject matter experts or people who are in the same kind of field as me and we share ideas we collaborate we constructively challenge we you know i always believe that there's no such thing as failure there's only feedback and sharing those books around, those stories, those uh, characters, uh, to get people you trust and respect to challenge your, um, to challenge you and constructively challenge you. Just because they challenge you doesn't make it right, but it makes you think about yeah. the decisions you've made. Exactly. And you can double down and go, no, 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 I know this is important for this reason. Or they go, oh, you know what? You might have something in that. Maybe I should write an alternative ending and explore how that kind of worked, and then compare the two. Um, yeah. I think it's just that constructive and creativity refinement process so that when you come to Black Library, you have the best version of what you can submit. Yeah. And I like the fact that you pointed out, like, don't just write about the big, the soul war. Don't write about the siege of terror. Don't write about these big events, these big characters, because that's not what they're looking for. They want to see that you can tell a comparing story that you can create a character and make you like them or hate them, uh, that you're able to uh, understand the world and articulate it in a a way that's descriptive and interesting. Um, I imagine that's like, like I I almost work backwards. It reminds me of a job interview. The job interview doesn't, they want to see what I've done and how it relates to what they are looking for, as Mm -hmm. opposed to this is what I've done in the past.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's the thing. They want to see what your writing's like when a famous event isn't doing the heavy lifting for you, and that's you know that's that's a good way to write in general. You know, like as uh, as great as some of the heresy events are, the, their sheer famous, like their sheer famousness and their sheer grandeur, sometimes does some of the heavy lifting. You know. Um, And you you don't don't get me wrong, you appreciate that when you're writing it, and it comes with its own challenges. But uh, yeah, like the small scale isn't like a failure, it's not a failure of ambition. Small scale is often where the best stuff is, you know. It'll be the easiest thing in the world to write a series about Abaddon in Abaddon's head, but uh, fuck that. I wanted to write about Chaos Marines. In the, in the formation of Abaddon's Legion, you know? Like, what's it like to live in the Eye of Terror? I care about that. I don't care about what Abaddon's thinking. Yeah, so, yeah and, a, and Abaddon statement. is such a, a big, big character already that I don't
0: need to get into the weeds of, of you know, what he had for breakfast. But yeah, yeah I, I'm absolutely obsessed with, you know, tell me about the guardsmen who's on defending the line as uh, the gene stealers are uh, just... Uh, this like there's a, a, a horde of Tyriids about to approach uh, a guy with a lasgun. Tell me about uh, the mortal realms with the city of Sigmar that's on the forest of the Sylvaneth and they don't know if Alariel's super pissed and is she good Alariel or is she cut sick? Because that's a that's a very interesting relationship that Alariel being the goddess of life, yeah. I'm sure she doesn't appreciate me cutting down a forest to build my city. So... Am I getting happier, Lario, or am I getting stuck cutting down my trees, you
1: jerk, and uh, I'm going to, you know, pimp slap you? Even more interesting, just before we go there, e- even more interesting, I think, is what do the specific leaders of that grove think? You know, like, wh- and why do they think that? And what interactions have they had with your settlement in the past that you maybe don't know about and that would throw a fork in it? Like, that, that's where the stories are, you know, like... And spoiler Be- alert, that guardsman
0: dies, yes. Um, yeah. You know. Um. How do you handle rejection? Uh. And we are very close to wrapping up, guys. We have got a couple more questions, but uh, I do. I don't. I don't want to. You know. If I. If I get rejected from Black Library, and that probably happens to most people. Um. So knowing that you're not just like the. You know, special snow. Snowflake. Most people probably get rejected. Um. Mm. How. How. How do you handle rejection when you get turned away from an idea? or if you were building up such a big milestone, such as a Black Library submission, and you get
1: the the sorry you were unsuccessful or not this time. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, there's degrees of projection, I guess, and you have to you have to be honest with yourself why you re- were rejected. Um, for example, it could just be, uh, I, again, I'm NDA'd on this one, so I can't say too much, but there was a certain project that... Me and a, a couple of the others were, uh, it was, we, we'd driven it and we'd come up with it. And we were like, we really, really want to do this. And um, we were completely braced for them to say no. You know, It was, it's it very, it's quite ambitious. And we were like braced for rejection. But then we would have known the rejection wasn't, they didn't think we could handle it. It would have just been like corporate reasons, like that. It didn't work with the release schedule or they didn't want to tell that story or it would have like pulled focus from other stuff, you know? So, but yeah, in terms of rejection of part, honestly, this is, this isn't an arrogance thing. This is a luck thing because I write so slowly, I'm not pitching much. So I I don't, I don't get rejected much because I I'm not uh, putting that much forward. Whereas more professional uh, prolific authors are putting stuff forward constantly. So they have a way higher chance of, getting rejection i'm not saying that's because i'm better it's just like a it's just a logistics thing uh and also i just tend to tell stories that i think uh they're gonna they're gonna want or they'll be cool with me telling um and that's that's very hard to predict don't get me wrong so the key thing is to do is literally follow the submission guidelines and that sounds like nothing (laughs) but i promise you it's everything because there are so many people who submit, like, actually, I'm going to blow them away by writing about X instead of Y. They're asking for Y for a reason. Okay. Like, they're not, they're not pissing around. They're not, uh, they're not waiting for someone who's just clever enough to buck the system. You know, like sometimes, like when you color outside the lines, you just, you make, you make a mess. So, you know, that, that's the best thing. Like if you, if you follow the submission guidelines, that, in, that increases your chances of, acceptance tenfold and in terms of rejection you you, you just can't let it get to you 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 just can't let it get to you that's that's it's um it's it's so bland and banal to say but it's just it's the only truth really you just can't let it get to you everyone comes up against it at some point and it's probably not to say that and
0: it's not like it's a no never like no you suck don't ever you know I, I don't imagine black library has ever said to anyone you suck so bad you should quit writing and go do something else yeah uh it's it's not a no it's a it's just a not now and yeah. maybe your yeah. story needs to be refined maybe you need to flesh out your, your characters more maybe as you said it's just the wrong setting at the wrong time and maybe next year when there's a focus on the orcs uh, the Gazco book would be awesome, but right now uh, that time has passed and that window's passed. Not quite what we're looking for, and I think you're right as well. We we try to prove that we're smart. You know, we're we're the smartest person in the room, and we do we take risks and uh, we do things like oh, I'll sneakily do this. I know they said this, but I'm going to try something else. And you can often be your own enemy. So I think it's I think it's I, again I approach job interviews the same way. I work backwards. What is the ideal candidate? What are they looking for? What have they told me about the role, whether it's experience or whether it is uh, knowledge, whether, like, what is it that they're looking for? And if I break down the the traits and the themes, I can then work backwards to go, right, well, what's the story that I want to tell? And, um, and, yeah, maybe I'm not going to pick Magnus, but I'm going to pick, um, you know, uh, a gaunt summoner. And I'm going to tell the story of one of the nine Gaunt summoners of Zench and their relationship or how that works with the, the Thousand Suns, or, um, like, what is it, what does Zench, what's, what's Zench think about Teclas' rise to power now and having to fight the Lumineth? And uh, don't do it from Zench, don't do it from, from Kairos, do it from um, the Herald. G- give me, give me, and then I, c- I can tell a story. I can build a story about a gaunt summoner and maybe a conflict between gaunt summoner A to gaunt summoner B. Um, I imagine that would be important.
1: Oh, yeah, that's good stuff.
0: That's good stuff. Maybe I should be a writer. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll be a pitch man. I'll have me going to games. <laughs> and just, just do it. It's easy. I'm the,
1: I'm
0: the hype man. Like you, I just need someone to write and I'll be the hype man. Like guys oh, get the best story in the world. I want to sit you in a time where this is going to happen. And imagine you're sitting there. And blah, blah, blah. That's me. That's why I would be a lawyer in America, but not in Australia is there any stories that you'd like to tell in the future? Obviously not breaking any NDAs, not talking about things you're currently writing on, but put yourself in a world three to five years from now when you're not writing those books and whether it's Sigma, whether it's 40 K, whether it's old world, whether it's something like Necromunda, is there a, is there a story or a set of stories or a thing that you would love to tell? Um, if the opportunity was, was, um, was there. Okay. Um, this is a difficult question because again, and bonus points. It's a, if it's a love story that we talked about
1: right at the start, <laughs> I, I want to put you on the hook for a love story. Yeah, no, that would be cool. Um, no, I, yeah, I don't want to say anything that I might actually end up, you know, going to meta saying, Hey, I want to do this. Um, I've got kind of a weird idea for an, an, a novel about knights, as in Imperial Knights in 40k, where um, it's every chapter is a different generation of a, a different knight who inherits that, uh, suit, you know, that, that night, you know, uh, so a different scion inherits it. And like over, over the generations, that knight starts to develop its own personality and its own scars and its own, and, you know, you've got different pilots of you know, all who are all completely different people down the generations and you'd follow the course of like that night world. So it would start off at the heresy and then you know, what would that, then you'd have a generation in the scouring, and then you'd have a generation in maybe the Nova Terra Interregnum, or you know, all that kind of thing, and maybe the last one, you know, they would be fighting the Tyranids or something, or you know, that kind of thing. I just like the idea of like this generational story, where every every chapter is, um uh like, yeah, a, di- a different generation. But the the one I always say and is always is is unfailingly true is, is bad app. Like, I want I want to I want to tell the app War. But I, I i want to tell it in a certain way and it wouldn't be like we've told the heresy exactly um do you have any do you have any um
0: aspirations on telling stories uh from uh, a xenos or an Eldari or a um even yeah. like any type of like I guess not say chaos but certainly a non-human uh I know I know you talked about dwarves and duardan um in the past that uh do you have a do you have an interest, or I, I don't even know how you tell a story from a from an Eldari point of view, or uh, from a tyranny a,
1: a, tyrannid, a tyrannid view? Um, for the animation stuff, the Hammer and Bolter animations that are coming out at some point, I, t- I did an Eldari story in that. Um, they've already shown like loads of screenies, so this isn't a spoiler uh, with the striking scorpions like running and back like, that. Yeah, that's mine, and I'm I'm. I- I have no idea how well it's going to go down, but it's it's one of the favorite things I've ever written, and I, I love it to bits. Um, yeah, but I, 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 I we talked about this with Malarian, right? But I would really like to write about a culture in the realm of shadows, um, and like, or like a really reclusive Ideneth enclave uh, where like all these other forces have discovered there's a realm gate. Like at this mm. point, and that, but to them. Like, to, to all these invading forces, like, oh, cool, a realm gate, that you know, or a wellway, rather, that's going to be super useful. But to the Ideneth, it's like the thing that's in the middle of their city. So you've got this in, this massive, massive siege where they have to defend their enclave. And they've hidden for so long, and they have no allies, and they're completely alone. So then they have to think, okay, do we reach out to other people? Like, do we, do we make allies? Do we make overtures to the Stormcast Eternals? You know, that kind of thing. I love, like, the kind of the politics of extinction you know like do we where, do we send do we send
0: daddy a uh, father's day gift or at least a card <laughs> yeah. uh, i know mean, we got some daddy issues with techless like do we do we mend do we send him a carton a beer and
1: hope he can help <laughs> yeah exactly exactly like that would be that would be a really cool story to tell i think so yeah that would count as my elf story
0: final question uh, and i know i'm gonna get shut down really quickly on this one when will we learn the fate of sevatar
1: <laughs> I have a real answer to this actually. Oh, <laughs> I was expecting you to say no comment. No, um, I uh, his, his fate is very well mapped out because I mapped it out with Alan Bly before he selfishly died. Uh, so I know exactly what Sevatar is going to do. Um, and I have and I, I have like the name of the book in my head, and I know. You know, I know what story it would be, and yeah, I, I, unless I, um, unless I suddenly die, which in these COVID times you never know, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a few years. I think, it will, will be, yeah, I, I intend to tell it because I think it's worth telling.
0: I think the fandom would absolutely be fanatical. I know. Uh, I, th- I think I saw this question on. Uh, on Reddit, I saw this question. When I asked some of my friends, uh, this question kind of came up in some form or another around Sephista, so uh, very, very popular. But ADB, this has been an awesome three hours of discussion. I could keep talking to you, but I know it's late, um, and midnight. I do appreciate. It is midnight. Um, it's only tw- it's only eleven p.m. a.m. for me, so I've got an Australian Day barbecue to go hang out with. Um, but people people want to know more um you know i've got your twitter handle down below definitely go follow uh i've got some of your websites, so i've got your uh black library um catalog below as well as your web comic um is it fate of Job? something of jove correct jove that one that one so i was checking that out that was pretty sweet um wonderful person to follow on twitter um highly recommend it but is there any shout outs anything you want to say kind of bring us home i know it's been three hours of 24 karat gold that you have spit out around storytelling character creation working at black library um hints tips and tricks on being a professional author you've you've told us all everything
1: that um um i do have something that if uh, if anyone wants to like buzz me on Twitter with any hints that helps with their hobby motivation. I would, I would really appreciate that. Like, and I, I mean, genuinely I, like, it's an actual, actual guidelines and help to do better with my hobby. I would, I would sincerely appreciate that because I'm so slow and motivation is so hard to come by. So yeah. I'll send you, oh, uh, the, I'll, send you
0: the, I'll send you the rocky soundtrack like nothing gets me pumped. <laughs> up, like. uh, no, no please, please. I think uh, I think the least we could do folks is get onto Twitter, uh, give ADB a follow if you're not already following, and give some advice that you're finding, especially in a time that you know motivation might be lacking yeah, or different right. priorities. Um, you know, and hey, the faster the ADB is, the faster we get to get more books which ultimately is a win for everybody. So any hints, tips, or tricks, um, I think it's the least we can do. But I'll I'll, I'll bring up some of your photos. I love this stuff. Like, you just, like, the quality (laughs) is just, like, superior. And, um, you know, checking out your webcomic as well. This is obviously not your Road to Joe, but, you know, some of the contributions. And uh, I'll just leave you here with this amazing final. Why would you do this to me? (laughs) Because it is Australia Day and nothing says Australia like in a Kubra. But ADB, thank you so much for your time. Everyone who hung out, thank you very much for your questions. Apologies if I couldn't get to all your questions. We will be here for 10 years. Um, But... Luckily, we have a, uh, you know, check out his Goonhammer article. Go check out a, vodka, uh, a Voxcast. There was a an interview with Wade uh, about 12 months ago um, if you want to learn more about ADB. But thank you very much for your time. This was awesome. I learned so much. Totally welcome, man. Thank you for having me. See you, guys. I hope you found that discussion valuable. If you did, give the video the old thumbs up. And if you have a comment or an insight, leave it in the comment section below. The champions over here are my AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members. So you guys are bloody legends. Thank you for all the support. If you wanna know more about the support programs, the links are below down here in the episode description, along with a link to the Discord server so we can continue this conversation. Until next time, don't forget to name your characters and have a good one.